Thursday, December the 30th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said, the last one of 2021. And uh, just a major, major thank you for uh, all of you tuning in to every episode this year uh, for a minute, for an hour, for uh, some of them five hours all the way through. It has been incredible to see this show grow. We got into 50 countries this year. We had multiple people listening in 50 different countries this year alone, which just really shocked me. And uh, we're always going to do our best here for you. Keep everything free. Give you all that great, great insight, deep dive. I'll, I'll put every every moment I have into making sure each of these segments and uh, is as well researched and as well prepped as possible. And all those fantastic guests that help us out and uh, come on each week and and give you all of the the time and the great information that they have. Happy New Year to everyone out there. In this episode, we're going to talk some quick hits in sports. We will jump into Friday and Saturday racing. For Friday, we're going to hit Gulfstream. Santa Anita will go early pick five and then a couple plays later in the card. All dirt on Santa Anita because it's been pouring out here in Southern California uh, throughout the week. Then we'll get into Saturday, Gulfstream. Saturday, Santa Anita. There are stakes races, the Jerome and the Smarty Jones. So we're going to look at both of those. One of them's at Aqueduct, one's at Oaklawn. NFL Week 17 matchups with Eric. We're going to do all of the game previews like we do for you each and every week. No Thursday game this week, so we get you all of the Sunday games and the Monday game. Just two weeks left in the NFL, and we finish up with wrestling with Chad Cooper. We get to the news happening in the world of wrestling. Then we preview WWE Day 1. They have a pay-per-view on Saturday coming up. So they will have a pay-per-view on Saturday, January the 1st. NXT has a show next week, New Year's Evil, that looks really, really good on paper. And then, not pay-per-view, just on paper. It's going to be on USA. And then we've got AEW. We'll recap and talk about everything that's been going on with them as we look over what happened on Dynamite. So, loaded, loaded episode. Yes, Book of Boba Fett, that just came out. We will have a recap for you on the next episode. That's what G said. Really pumped about that. Spider-Man, probably... Not this week, but next week. Still working on it with Tim because of COVID stuff, weather and everything. We still have to make sure we get to see that movie at least once or twice more before we give you our big deep dive. So the wheels are a moving here on That's What G Said, presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow at BTV Bets on Twitter because every day they have a public prop giveaway where they make a wager and one of you out there will get that wager. If it hits, you get to keep the money, but doesn't cost you a cent. Free roll. Better than Dot Vegas is a website that is a bunch of free gambling content for you. You don't even have to create any accounts just to check it. You can watch everything that's happening. You can watch the videos for free. But if you want to post your own selections, you can do so. And if you have the best week, you win 250 bucks for nothing. Doesn't cost you a cent to enter. All you do is create an account, start posting your plays. Your plays get graded along with everyone else's. And if you've got the best ROI at the end of the week, you win the weekly showdown. You win 250 bucks. That's over at betterthan.vegas. Everything's free at BTV. We haven't talked a whole lot of NBA. We will. As, especially as the NFL starts to wind down, 
we wouldn't been able to honestly we wouldn't be we wouldn't have been able to preview games we wouldn't be able to really do a bunch of analysis as to what's going on because of so many players in and out uh, with health and safety protocols it's really hard I mean I can tell you one thing right now the Lakers aren't good <laughs> their full roster they'd be better than they are right now but they still wouldn't be very good so it's scary seeing everything happening in uh, in these sports we just hope everybody is, is safe but the NBA already broke the record for the most players used in a in a season by all of the teams combined. I think it was 540, and that that was last week. And think about where where we are in the season. We're not even halfway through. So, if you're a fan of a team in the NBA and your team's struggling, you really shouldn't worry that much. If your team's really playing well right now, I, you should probably be pretty pumped because. Everyone's dealing with issues, so stacking wins right now. Anything in football and basketball and these pro sports, hockey, we've seen the same thing. There aren't really quality wins and bad wins, right? It's just wins. Just stack wins. Wins are all that matter right now because those are things that can't be taken away from you. If future games get canceled, postponed, schedules get altered, at least you've got those wins under your belt. I mean, Like in college basketball right now, it's starting to get really bad there. There have been 70-7-0 programs that have had to postpone or that have had to stop their program at some point this year. Either not practice, take a few days off of training because they had COVID outbreaks. USC, who is the number 7 team in the nation right now in some polls. They are top 10 in all the polls. They've had to cancel their last three games. And unfortunately, in college, based on their schedules they don't have the opportunity to reschedule these games. These are just games that they're not going to be able to play again. And now for some of these teams, what's going to happen? You're going to have to prorate their seasons, right? You grade everything on the curve, who they've played, what they've done, but a lot of these teams won't have played a full conference schedule. And you're not going to get the opportunity to go back and make these games up. Those conference tournaments are going to end up weighing a lot. Who knows what happens then if this continues to be really contagious, even if it's not something that is killing a lot of people. You can't put kids and, and families in jeopardy. So it's even if it's something where, oh yeah, everybody tests positive, nobody's really sick, you can't still have them out there playing. So it's hard it's been hard to to pay, you know, the college sports in in, in particular. We were they're getting just decimated by this and the pros, because of all the money involved, they have and and they're adults, true, too, right? Like they're grown adults. They they know what they're doing. The NFL, they don't care. They're just gonna get everything done. That we haven't just it's been harder to pay attention as a gambler, as just a fan, someone that plays fantasy sports, it's been more difficult to do that. Um it's about, I mean, college it's, it's tough. So hope, hopefully everything will will start to settle uh, and and we can get some of these, you know good college basketball games played. It's a big college football weekend coming up. How many bowl games already have we had to see either canceled or teams, different teams filling spots? But we do have the college football playoff coming up on Friday, New Year's Eve, Cincinnati, Alabama in the first semifinal. Alabama was the number one overall seed. They are a 13.5 to 14-point favorite against Cincinnati. Total in that game, 57.5. And then the other semifinal, between the two and the three seeds, you have the number two seeded Michigan Wolverines. They're a seven and a half point underdog. Georgia is a, a seven and a half point favorite. 
to me, from a betting perspective, I, I really like Michigan. That's a lot of points for a Georgia team that's got a really good defense, but they don't score quite a bit themselves. At over a touchdown, absolutely lean Michigan. And I would even think about sprinkling some of the money line there on Michigan. Alabama-Cincinnati game, that's a tough one because Bama in these spots, like since they may just be so much deeper in the trenches than Cincinnati, but I don't know. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love for Cincinnati to keep this game close. No real wagering opinion from me there, but we'll see uh, the Final Four on Friday, and the winners of those two games will meet up for the college football championship, and uh, we'll give you a little preview of that game. But other bowl games on on uh, on Saturday, you know, you'll get a, a few throughout the day and some good ones. Just keep in mind, if you're betting these games, if you're playing these games at all, make sure you're looking at which players are, have they opted out, be, uh, any players that are dealing with COVID stuff, some some players that are going pro that just decided not to play in uh, in some of the games. So we have to be a little bit more diligent now with the with information more than ever before. So some uh, some of the quick hits going on uh, in sports. Now we're gonna get on into horse racing. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Yeah, that gets me jamming every time. Joey Cleveland, who does all the music for my show here, one of my very good friends from uh, from high school. He's a fantastic musician, Joey. Uh, you can hear the difference in all the, the the little tunes that he does, but probably you can. There's a little bit of Joey in uh, in each one of them, and uh, Joey's gonna be firing away at some of these Stable Duel contest this weekend let's talk about the stable duel schedule for friday you've got that free ride at golden gate free doesn't cost you anything go handicap the golden gate card free contest to enter they give away 150 dollars in prizes to some of the top finishers Golfstream Park has a $5 game and a $50 game we're going to give you some plays for Golfstream coming up in just a second santa anita has a $50 game and a $100 double up then we're going to give you some plays for santa anita tampa bay has a $10 game. Then on Saturday, you've got Gulfstream with a $50 game and a $10 game. You've got the Santa Anita Shamalama Lama, $75, $10,000 in cash prizes, and then a $10 game for $1,500 in prizes. Tampa also has a Sunday contest. They've got a double up. And then on Sunday, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, and Tampa. That is all happening this weekend, stable duel, get those entries in and play race win. So we'll we will help you out with Friday and Saturday contest for Gulfstream and Santa Anita. We've got best bets for those coming up right here, right now. Get the past performances out for Gulfstream Park. We're gonna be looking at Friday, December the thirty first. We're gonna look at race. Uh, we'll start at race number one uh, over at Gulfstream Park. So. You've got the stakes race here. It's a hundred thousand dollar five furlong turf sprint. It's the Janus. So Kiratori, I really like. I've played Kiratori uh, a bunch towards the outside. We maybe we see him show up in uh, Sam Houston you know, for some of their stakes in about three weeks or so. That would be nice. We've seen him uh, at Sam Houston a few times before. Now, I do think X Y Speed is really honest, and if he's around three to one, he's worth a bet in here. You know what you're going to get from him. He shows up and runs a, a really, really good race every time. He's got a little bit of speed, but he can sit off. I think that's probably where he's best if he's just kind of tracking from a length or two off. Proven at Gulfstream Park. Likes the five for a long trip. He raced in October, then came back at the beginning of December. So he may be a little bit sharper with that race under his belt. It wasn't like it was a, a long layoff or anything, but you no, know, maybe he's a little sharper in here. XY Speed, the number two. If he is anything around around that 3-1 to one or so, I'll make a win wager on XY Speed. As we move to, uh, where are we going? Race number four next at Gulfstream Park. Maiden Special 8. This one on the synthetic. They're going to be going a mile and three sixteenths in here. Now, if you're playing multi-exotics and 
uh, early pick fives and stuff. I would I would throw in the one in the five. I I lean one Scarabia who faced the boys last time out. She faced the boys going a mile and a quarter at Turfway on the synthetic. She's got experience on the synthetic now, going long. She faced boys. Turfway racing is really strong. And I think a lot of people will look at it and kind of scoff. And sometimes the figures don't come back as strong. But uh, Darren Zocali, who joins us quite a bit, he pays attention to Turfway every day. And he will always point out when those runners go back and how well they perform at other tracks. You're going to go third start off the almost four-month break for Scarabia, who tries to uh, save all the ground from the inside. The five sitting pretty. Just feels like she fits pretty well in here. Also, she's been beaten as your favorite back-to-back times, so she's probably going to take more money in here again, but she did get a race uh, over the synthetic up at Woodbine last time out. I prefer the one, but we'll use one five in race number four at Gulfstream on Friday. Some of those rolling exotics. Let's get to... Race number five, you got another stakes race here. A mile and three-eighths on the turf course. I like Hungry Kitten, who is 10 to 1 on the morning line. If she's anything around five, we'll make a win wager on Hungry Kitten. So if you go through, she's a stone-cold closer. She's going to come from way off the pace. We know that about her. But there are a few in here that should go forward. And when it's a race going this long... You always expect one or two other horses to kind of get aggressive and to try to to, to kind of play that. So the Candy Flower will will likely go, and then I think a horse like Sorel, you got Paco jumping aboard. Wouldn't be shocked to see them more forwardly placed. A horse who's actually been forwardly placed before coming coming to the U.S. So likely the two of them going to be in the mix early. Key Biscayne wouldn't be a shock being forwardly placed. Always shopping drawn to the outside, so they're kind of forced and. You know, you dig into Hungry Kitten's form. So, he's pretty lightly, she's pretty lightly raced. She has legitimate excuses when you start going through her, her races. And, like, every time she runs a poor race, it's followed by a layoff. It's like, oh, okay, there was something physical wrong because she runs, doesn't run poorly, and then she's off for a while. It's like almost every time it feels like she's about to turn the corner, There's a, there's been an interruption. She, in July of 2020, she puts... She wins at Belmont, comes back and wins at Saratoga in August. And then in October of 2020, she's second in a, in a stakes race. And she jumps up and faces grade three company. She kind of has a bad trip. And then she's gone from November to August. She comes back in August. She races. The shape of the race is kind of against her. And it wasn't in an easy spot. Pocket Square came out of there and won. And she's gone for a few months. She comes back in November. I thought she ran really well. She was last, she was almost 15 off, and the top three finishers that day, they were all about five lengths in front of her early in the race. She kept to the inside, she really got going late, she had to alter course, probably would have been third, big gallop out, finally puts two together, legitimate excuses for some of the poor performances there for Hungry Kitten, the number five. She is 10 to 1 on the morning line, anything around five will make a win wager there. As we move to... Race number eight at Gulfstream on Friday. The uh, Abontia, five furlongs on the turf course. I think it's a great spot for the number seven 
Miss J. McKay. I will single her in some of the late exotics. Her running style just fits perfectly for the way this race shapes up. She's going to be making her third start now for Christophe Clement. Third start off the long, long layoff. Maybe four or five other horses in here who want to go, and she should sit right behind them. Toss the September race. Tossed the race in October of 2020 in the Sands Point. She was sent to the bench that day, and you know she didn't come back until September, almost a year later. She ran into a horse named Too Sexy, who has won three of the last five and is really sharp. She needed the race that day, and then she took a step forward nicely in her second start for Clement. I think she's the one they'll all have to hold off in here. Miss J. McKay, 7-2 on the morning line. Anything around 5-1, to one, I'd make a win wager there, but I also would treat this one like a, an exotics single, and in the late exotics, I would be keying in on, on that runner. So that is Gulfstream Park for Friday. Good luck Friday over at Gulfstream Park. Let's bounce over to Santa Anita, talk a little Santa Anita for Friday. So because of a lot of the weather, they canceled the Thursday Santa Anita card. They took all of the races that they were going to schedule for the grass for Thursday and for Friday, and they moved those to Saturday and to Sunday. Because Wednesday rain, it's today I'm recording this right now on Thursday, and it's been pouring all day long. And so it was a smart thing to do. The Friday card at Santa Anita is an all-dirt card. It the, Some of the races are actually decent quality, but from a gambling standpoint, it doesn't look that fantastic, to be honest. And I think Mainly some people were probably not wanting to enter horses and not sure what the weather was going to be like. So they probably said, ah, my horse may not do well if it's sloppy or if it's really raining. So let's just not. So I think that might be the case on this Saturday, on this Friday card that we look at for Santa Anita, December the 31st. Because they're just not the biggest fields in the world. And early in the meet, for the first few weeks, usually the fields are a little deeper, a little bit, um, a little bit bigger. Especially because of the time off. I think this has a, l- a little more to do with the weather. So... Let's see if we can make a little money early on in Santa Anita's Friday card. Let's take a look at race number one. We've got Maiden Special Weights, seven furlongs on the main track here. In the early pick five, there are some of these Baffert Firsters that I don't love. So Distracted Princess, sure, she could win. Dam was a six-time winner. Two siblings both won. The Dam was a multiple group stakes winner in Brazil. Came to the U.S., um, won a grade two, just missed in the grade one gamely. To me... This is a good spot for Angel of Freedom. You look at who she has run into in her career. Himiko, next out winner, stakes placed. As time goes by, multiple graded stakes winner. Fifi Farrow won a Calbred stakes after that. Park Avenue, who won an optional 50 next out by 5 with an 85 buyer and who I like in Saturday's card uh, in, in a graded stakes race. Angel of Freedom had to back out of a spot early in October, uh, on October the 29th, and she kind of had to take back to about five lengths off inside. The three to five favorite was right up, um, just sitting off the lead, just off the lead. And this gal moved through nicely, closed well, was a clear cut second that day. Park Avenue came right back to win out of that, so it flattered her form. I think Angel of Freedom is the one that they'll all have to beat in here. You get a slight turn back in distance, so she'll need a little bit of help as far as the pace is concerned. But Ever Smart should be forwardly placed in here. I think Map to My Heart is one is going to want to be close to the front end. I wouldn't be shocked to see what a feeling pretty close to it in here. And then you've got the Baffert first-time starter who you'd probably expect to flash a little bit of speed. Distracted Princess worked and was asked early 
was working inside of stablemate Wharton, who's in race number six later on the card. I had him stacked 7 2, 6 4. And I'll try to beat Distracted Princess if you're playing early pick fives and, and stuff like that. And uh, I mean, she, she obviously could win this race, but. I thought the seven was maybe the horse to key in on. Maybe you, you know you use the two and the seven. You get a little speed there with Ever Smart, who's going to go second. Start off the long layoff now, and there was really nothing wrong with what she did last time or her dirt race back in October of 2020 when she was third behind a next out winner named Toned Up in November. That was her first start in 13 and a half months. She was five wide going into the turn, then she cleared off to lead lead by about three or four lengths. She got headed at the top of the lane, but she didn't just stop like you would expect a horse off of that long of a layoff. She actually really tried hard to battle on. 7-2 there. If you want to go a little deeper, maybe you throw in the uh, the 6 and the 4 as we get to race number 2 at Santa Anita Mile on the main here. I thought this was a pretty difficult race in the early pick 5. I leaned towards Town Boy, the 4, who was 4 deep but just off, kept in the clear. I was always traveling well, always looked like a winner. Has to prove it going a mile, but should be forwardly placed throughout in here. You've got Bright Leaf, who seems like Sadler figured this one out. Two good races sprinting, but now you're going to go back to the stretch out. So did they figure her out because him out because he was sprinting, or was it something and now we don't worry about the stretch back out? Question there. I mean, Arabiata was really impressive in that debut. Widest of all was about eight lengths dead last early. Widest of all, five deep at the top of the lane. Was still last. Was really impressive to close like that at five and a half. King Apollo won nicely for uh, first time in the Mall Hall Barn. Pushed through a tight spot. Although I did think it was maybe more of the a good ride. But it's hard to knock. I guess I'm not as high on Fowler Blue as some of the chances I do with some of the other ones. Even SoCal Red. What's nice about him, he's got to win... On the dirt, going long. Who else has that? Nobody. Town boy, item stacked four, six, two. If I was putting them in order, it'd be like four, six, two, five, one, and then Fowler, Fowler Blue. In a pretty contentious race, that second. A, not an easy race there. In the third, Calbred Maiden Special Eights for Phillies and Mares, three year olds, and up six furlongs on the main track. The six feeling grateful. Pratt jumps on. Pace factor should be close up throughout. Found six and a half furlongs a bit too far. You've got all dialed in, who should improve quite a bit for McCarthy. It's really hard for a barn like McCarthy to get horses cranked up first time out. And you'll see in a lot of the numbers, this is a barn that just does a lot better work with horses that have a little bit of experience making their second and third starts. They lined up five deep across the track. All dialed in, settled about three or four lengths off. And uh, got a little bit outrun in spots, but but it was overall a pretty good effort to finish third there. And any improvement at all, stacks dialed in, uh, all dialed in in a, in a really nice spot here. Smitten by Kitten. The dam broke the maiden on the dirt, a maiden special weight at Belmont, and then was third against first level allowance company. Six siblings raced all, um, three raced on dirt and all three won on the dirt. Smitten Kitten was kind of slow early last time. And she's tried the turf in both starts. She's going to go second off the 10.5-month layoff. And she will drop in to Calbred Company after facing open. Mainly for her, it's just the draw. I'm worried that if she doesn't break well, she could be in some trouble. She, yeah, I mean, 
she fits from a class standpoint. We just don't really know how good she is. I stacked him 3-6-1 in race number three at Santa Anita on Friday as we move to race number four. Open maiden special weight here, six and a half furlongs, the distance, the couple first-time starters that'll probably take some money in here. You got the Baffert, McLaurin, Vale. They purchased for $625,000. you have got the Mandela Top Secret. will also take some money. I'm not really high on either of them in this spot, though, to be fair. I thought the one godsend, he ran into two Baffert horses in his two races. He lost to Messier in his debut. Messier won a maiden special weight. And, and then uh, Messier won a grade three and then was second against grade two company. Black Adder, who was third in there. We just saw Black Adder win opening day against maiden special weight company. New Grange, we're going to see facing stakes company over the weekend. Baffert first-timer who got an 80 buyer winning that day. And Godsend wasn't really bad in that race. It was a good start. He wasn't asked. He kept wide, three deep in the clear. He was fifth. He was about three lengths off. There wasn't any passing going on in that November 28th race. It was it was fine for Godsend. Now, the real key is with the inside draw, you're going to send him. We've seen that he's got a little bit of speed. You can't take back from the rail and get the shuffle. I hope Mike just gets aggressive, tries to put him right on the front end. I'm sure McLaurin Vale right next door worked inside from the gate on December 20th. You can see that one on XBTV. Damn, did win. A couple siblings, one of them was a maiden special weight winner. And then B-Doc was the other I looked at. He debuted on the turf going five furlongs. He was a step slow inside, and then he got shuffled. He ended up losing two lengths and a bunch of positioning. He was in tight. He got off the inside, and he stretched his legs nicely. Finished third there. The dam won the only start going at six and a half at Aqueduct in a couple of winning sibs for B-Doc. The first-timer Balladeer I thought was a, a tad bit interesting. This is the first foal from an unraced dam. We just don't know a whole lot about him. And his works are over at San Luis Rey. There's just this like really sneaky feeling to him for a really capable first-time-out barn with a bug aboard. You might want to throw Balladeer onto a pick four or pick five ticket somewhere if you're playing. I stacked him one, three, six, four. Pectacular. Really good debut, finished behind Rockefeller, who's since come back to win a grade three. And what happened last time? Settled eighth, he was about five lengths off, he was outside, he was too deep, made a kind of a... Okay, so that was in the debut, that wide rally. He was wide rally, he closed well for the clear-cut second after kind of settling well after it. Last time out, he kind of hopped at the start, he was last, he was five off, but he just kind of never, never even picked up the feet. And he got action, he was five to one that day, sort of treat him like a wild card, but... I'm against the Baffert Firster here and in the first, so I'm sure both of them will jog and win by 10. In the fifth race, kind of Captain Obvious horses. Italiano is probably the horse they'll all have to beat in here. Does have a win at seven furlongs and should be forwardly placed early. Invictatus, if you're just looking for a big bomb in here, he's got speed. The slight cutback, you got the bug up, you're going to want to send him hard. Maybe he gets in front and he gets a little bit brave in here. Yeah, it's a lot tougher than some of the spots he's been in. But if you get out front, pace can sometimes be the equalizer. California Street's the one to beat for Yakteen. First off the claim, a really, really sharp horse and a very good fit at this level. That last race, didn't really love the way that he was handled, California Street, but... He's the one that they'll all have to worry about in here. A couple horses later on the card today. You can hear the rain pouring down here. 
in Southern California. As a Friday Santa Anita card, where are we at? Uh, let's go to race seven. Maiden specials going a mile. These are two-year-olds on the main track. The five is a horse who I think you could single, and if this horse is over two to one, he might be worth a play. Some money will go and to Flying Drummer, obviously, to the outside. And if Moment of Peace is your second choice here, he was sixth of seven, but never more than about five lengths off in the two-path. He moved in between horses, kind of had to wait for room down inside. He was not far out of third. It was not bad at all, and he looked visually like a horse who's going to get better going longer. He's right behind Godsend, and so we, if we see Godsend run well earlier on the card, we'll know to uh, upgrade his chances a bit too. The number five, Moment of Peace. He's five to two. Anything over two to one will play him, or you could maybe just single him in late exotics. I think the same could be said in the eighth race for the number six, Aram, who is now in the Vladimir Sarin barn. Aram was running in Florida and then in New York for a while, and he always showed a lot of ability in fact, the only bad race he's ever run in his life was on the turf. Then in July, he didn't run all that well, but the race actually came back pretty strong. It was going a mile and an eighth at Saratoga. And now you go the other way. You cut all the way back to six furlongs. In in November, he showed up for a Sarin, first time in the Sarin barn at Del Mar. He ran really well. He sat just off. He ends up winning the race that day. And now the way this race shapes up, Aram probably won't be on the lead. Which is fine. He showed us when he was sprinting before that he can sit off the pace, he can close, and he can pass horses. He broke his maiden at six. And then in his second career start, he finished third going six. After kind of a slowish start. Took charge, has speed. Canadian pride is going to be forwardly placed. They're both very quick. And then ground attack is going to want to be forwardly placed. This race should set up very well for Aram to sit just off. So that's Friday over at Santa Anita. Let's make the shift on over from Friday to Saturday. But we remind you, as we do, coming soon, folks. Sam Houston, 12% takeout in daily doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. We will be covering Sam Houston every day they race. We will have segments here on That's What G Said. We will have best bets, pick fours, pick fives. We'll have guest handicappers on to help us uh, jump into the card. We'll be doing some live stream videos also. uh, And handicapping previews for some of their big days where we can show you the DRF formulator past performances. I love Sam Houston. January the 6th, opening day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next week, we'll be talking some Sammy Houston, some SHRP right here on That's What G Said. Saturday, get your past performances out. We're going to go to Gulfstream Park first for January the 1st. So happy new year comes Saturday at Gulfstream. And... I go to race number four. Some fun stakes races on the card at Gulfstream Park. We've got the cash run mile on the main track in the fourth race. The two, Kathleen O was very good first time out of the box. The five, Jumeria, fits also in here. I thought fast and flirty was was pretty impressive at Churchill Downs winning going the mile. That was career start number two, so she took a nice step forward. She beat two next out maiden special weight winners. One of them won a maiden special weight at Turfway. One of them won a, at Fairgrounds. She's proven going a mile. She's drawn well. She can sit and pass horses. She probably gets a, a little bit of a jump on a horse like Kathleen O. 
we're looking at fast and flirty. The number six, she's five to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two, we'll make a win wager there. Moving on to the fifth race, we've got the Ginger Brew a mile on the turf. I like the number four in here, Ocean Safari. Blinkers come off Ocean Safari, and she's going to return to the turf. She had some trouble, and she ran into a really sharp horse last time out named She Nasty, who is one who had won three in a row and four of five. And Ocean Safari was in tight, was bumped around early, had to settle farther back than she would have liked. She was fifth in between horses, about three lengths off, and she was on the heels just behind the leader, and then she was back down towards the inside, just never in a really comfortable spot. She's run well on the grass, she has speed, but she's probably more like a mid-pack type. Ocean, Safari, back to the turf, likes this turf course at Gulfstream Park, proven going a mile going seven and a half for a long, so it shouldn't be any issue for her. Ocean Safari, the number four. Ocean Safari, the play in race number five at Gulfstream Park. Where do we head next? Where do we head next? Race number seven is the next stakes race at Gulfstream. It's the Limehouse. They're going to go six furlongs on the main track. I thought Concrete Glory, if they sit off with him, like they did last time out, he should get the best trip in this field and have every chance to win. And maybe he's not good enough, right? He broke his maiden for maiden 20 over at Presque Isle. But looking at how this race will shape up, you've got Last Leaf, who draws the inside. They're going to have to be forced to show more speed than they would have liked. O-Captain's going to be on the lead. You've got Summary, who's going to be right up there pushing the pace. Bueno Bueno's going to be pushing it. And... Now all of a sudden you end up having two or three horses who look like they may sit. Maybe it's Lightning Larry. Maybe it's of a revolution. But he also has shown that he could be really close and right on it. Same thing with Larry. Let's hope Concrete Glory chooses to sit like they did last time out. Gets the pace to chase. If not, this could be a really interesting race. Because which whichever of these jockeys may make that decision, they may win. And then if two or three jockeys make that decision, whoever ends up going to the lead may win. It's a puzzle in race number seven, the Limehouse on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. We get to the ninth race. This is the Donya Beach mile on the turf course here. Smoking tea I thought was very impressive. Was asked for a little bit of speed from the outside, settled second, and just sat a perfect trip. They handled him like a horse who they thought was going to win. And now you get the inside draw. Grand Sonata is going to take some money in here, but Smoke and T should, you know, try to do what they did last time. Ask just for a little bit of speed and then settle inside, save all the ground. Smoke and T try to turn the tables on Grand Sonata, who outfinished this one when they faced back in September. The number two, Smoke and T, is the play in the ninth. We move to the Mucho Macho Man and. I, I really liked what I saw from graphic detail. I thought his race was visually extremely impressive. He was a step slow. He was in between horses. He was fifth. He was about two, three lengths off. He moved out from that trio, but he was still about five lengths back when he was starting to move out from in between them. Top of the lane, he really got going, and it looked as if the added distance should be no problem for him. Visually, graphic detail could have a big, big step forward, and he might be a nice horse to keep an eye on. I'm going to be watching graphic detail. You know, he may not be a horse that you can bet. He might be pretty short, but if he's over 2-1, to one, 
He shouldn't be more than that in this field. On a good Saturday card at Gulfstream Park, don't forget about those stable dual games to get in. If you have any questions, let me know. Love to help you out there at Gulfstream. So let's. There are a couple newly turned three year old stakes. We just saw one at Gulfstream in the Mucho Macho Man. There's one at Aqueduct in the Jerome. I just like to mention the stakes race, especially ones that are for three year olds and that are horses that we might be seeing down the line in big, big triple crown type races. I, I just, from a betting standpoint, I didn't find anything creative in the Jerome. Cook Creek looks like the horse to beat to me. I was chasing Rockefeller last time out. He gets the inside draw. He should save all the ground. And I just wasn't overly impressed with anyone else in this field, to be honest. So that's not a race that I'm going to really bet all that much. But the eighth race at Aqueduct on Saturday is the Jerome. And it is worth watching at least to see if any of these three-year-olds impress you. Because then they'll probably take a, a ne- the next step forward to one of the next preps. And you know maybe the next local prep in New York. Maybe they go down to Florida. Who knows? But I always am going to be paying extra attention to the three-year-old stakes. And we'll, we'll always try to mention any of the big stakes races. Now in the Smarty Jones at Oaklawn, that's going to go as race number nine, $250,000 up for grabs for three-year-olds. They'll go a mile there. I like the six for Moquette. Bureau, it looks like, I mean, this field, there's a field of 14. You can make cases for everyone. All I will say is like, make sure, I want a horse that's going to be at least like eight to one in here because it feels like they all, all have a shot. Homebrew, all in sync. Dash attack was really impressive. Kavod comes, you know, faced graded stakes company earlier in the year. You've got Ignitus, who was really impressive too back at Keeneland winning. But I like Bureau. Was three to was in the three four path going into the turn, but he settled sixth, kind of in between horses, about six lengths off. He made a nice sustained middle move, four wide bid at the top of the lane, and he opened up. One by six, the horse he beat came right back to win a maiden special weight next out. The improvement that he showed from six and a half to a mile. This guy's got something. He really does. So Bureau, I'll make a win wager on him if I can get anything over eight to one. Because I want to make sure that he's around that price. Ruggs has a shot in here with the blinkers on. Vivar... Don't Cross the Devil, Barber Road, Kairama, Cool Papa G, Ben Diesel... Every one of these horses would not really shock me in a massive field in the Smarty Jones. Check out that race. That's a very good betting race. Maybe we can get Bureau in the uh, 8 to 10 to 1 range. So that's uh, the other 3-year-old stakes to discuss. That one's over at Oaklawn. We get to Santa Anita for Saturday. Couple races to hit on for the Saturday card. So they should be back on the turf, hopefully on Saturday. In race number one, it's a Calbred Maiden Special Eight going six furlongs on the turf. I like the two worst Reed Sanchez. The debut race wasn't bad. He ran into a horse named Straight Up G, who came back to win the King Gloria Stakes. That's the Jim Rome horse. And worst Reed Sanchez is actually bred pretty well for the turf. He has three winning turf sibs. All three of them are multiple winners. Four of his siblings raced on the turf. One of them only tried it one time, so we can't really use that as a gauge. But the other three are multiple winners. Expect him to improve here on the grass. Now, Liberty Forever is going to be tough. Whose candy is going to be really tough in here? We'll go with Worse Reed Sanchez. Make a win wager on this guy. Anything over the 7-2 to two range is fine uh, on Worse Reed Sanchez. 
Let's continue along in Santa Anita's Saturday card. Where are we heading to next? It's the sixth race for the Joe Hernandez six and a half furlongs down the hillside turf course. I really like the Ford Delaware in here, who is six to one on the morning line. He's going to enter the Patty Gallagher barn for the first time. He comes over from the Chad Brown barn. And he broke his maiden at six furlongs a while back. This distance shouldn't be out of his scope. You see some seven furlong races towards the bottom of the page that were actually pretty good. And I'm just looking at the company that he's faced recently. Flavius, multiple stakes winner, graded stakes placed. Tell your daddy came right back to win a grade two next time out. Value proposition won a stakes next time out. You see Rinaldi in there a couple times. I think he's been facing way better horses than most of this group has. It's just going to come to, does the downhill turf course play to his liking? And it usually does play to horses who are a little bit better going longer, milers and stuff. Like him, With what's nice is he does have some of that sprint experience. The number four, Delaware, in race number six at Santa Anita. Anything around 7-2 to will make a win wager there. Not sure if we'll be able to really bet on the sham. It's a grade three. They'll go a mile on the main track there. Because what's going to be difficult is which Baffert horse is going to go to the lead. You have two Bafferts. They're both really quick. I don't think they're going to duel with each other. And if one goes and the other sits, the one who goes is probably the winner. And they can just completely dictate the way they want this race to go. Now, I am very interested down the line in McKinnon. If McKinnon were to show up in a legitimate Kentucky Derby prep with a bigger field where we didn't have to question if the the pace horses were going to go at each other, this is a horse whose dam is grade three placed, multiple stakes placed on the dirt, dam one on the dirt, lone sib one on the dirt at Churchill. And this guy, from a class perspective, he just proved he's graded stakes quality with that third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. That's a group one. He was behind modern games there. He had to back out of a spot, a tight spot, two different times going into the first turn. First, he backs out of a spot, and then a couple more strides, and then boom, he's in tight again, has to back out again. He ends up 12th, two deep, about eight lengths off. He waited. He moved nicely in between horses and four deep to just miss second. It was an excellent effort. He just is going to need some help. He's going to need some help. Not sure if he'll get it from a pace standpoint. Probably won't be really betting this race a whole lot. The Robert J. Frankel is race number eight. Who's going with Mraz? Mraz is the one to catch, right? Just wired a field going a mile. See if she can take him a mile and an eighth. Give me Mraz as the one to catch. Luck is is really quality. She's been the runner-up in back-to-back races and just missing both of those, chasing loose on the lead Niji Blanche last time out but this might be another situation where Luck is chasing a loose on the lead horse in Moraz England's Rose has quality she had to back out of a spot last time out in that same race behind Niji Blanche and Luck and so she's last chasing slow fractions in a small field in a wire to wire winner Mucho Unusual always shows up with a good effort measuring stick here Bodhi Sita adds the blinks, trying to get her a little bit more focus. But I'll, I'll lean towards Mraz as the one to catch. The grade three, La Kenyatta, goes as race number nine. They'll travel a mile in a 16th. I'm not a big fan of as time goes by in this spot. She's drawn well where she could sit nicely. 
But I actually like Velvet Slippers of the Bafferts better, who had made her first start in a few months. She sat second off. She was in between horses. She dug in. She battled. She wore down a couple rivals. And, I, and she feels like she's the one to catch in here. Maybe we get some pace from Cowboy's Daughter. And if that's the case, I uh, my top pick is going to be Park Avenue. She can go, but I love that she sat. She got parked. You see what I did there? Five or six wide into the turn. She was about four deep in the second flight, three lengths off. She swooped the field with this big move without even being asked. She was four wide in between horses at the top of the lane and just crushed. But she's also got some speed. I like Park Avenue Velvet Slippers. I prefer them too as time goes by. And I, I would even use Moonlight Dioro before I would use as time goes by. I try to beat that one in here. That's race number nine on Saturday at Santa Anita, the Grade 3 La Cunata. Don't forget about the Santa Anita Pick'em Contest. Totally free to enter. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com They combine race, uh, races and racing information, horse racing stuff based around the cards. How many mounts is this jockey going to win on the card? Which card is going to have the biggest payout? All sorts of things like that. And and then sports games. Football games, bowl games, uh on Sundays and Mondays, there will be NFL in the mix, basketball, college basketball. On Saturday, there are uh, questions that involve the college bowl games. So if you know racing, you know sports, and you want to try to win 500 bucks for free, doesn't cost you anything, sign up, pick'em.sanita.com. We will be having live streams every week to preview the game, the contest, to look at all of the props specifically, what they are all individually, So that'll be each and every week live streams for the Santa Anita Pick'em Contest. Before we get into NFL Week 17, we have to check in and say hello to our friend Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. Cindy has been one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, and she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to lenders if you need help to get pre-approved with a loan. She can connect you with vendors if you're looking for home improvement. Maybe uh, you you need help finding a a good gardener, a painter, or a landscaper. She has worked with so many different people and has experience. She'll direct you the right way. She's just one of the kindest and most genuine people you're ever going to meet. She's not going to BS you. She's going to be straightforward with you, but she's going to make your life a lot easier. She's going to save you a lot of time and a lot of energy. CindyCarava.com. That's the website. C I N D Y C A R A V A.com. Let's jump into NFL Week 17. Wow. With Eric, we go game by game and preview everything happening betting lines, totals, over unders, some players to target in fantasy in our uh, full preview of NFL Week 17. NFL Week 17. Wow, we only have two more full weeks of NFL regular season left. Eric has been here with us for every one of them. He was here with us before the NFL season started talking about previews, over-unders, fantasy stuff. And uh, now we we really know, Eric, what the next couple weeks are going to look like. And I don't know if I remember a particular conference with two weeks left to go in the season, now things are a little different this year because we've got the additional game. But with two weeks left, I don't know if I've remembered a conference, AFC, NFC, either one in the last decade where 
So much could happen in the, in the next two weeks I think it's only Kansas City in the AFC that has locked themselves in Everybody else can fall out of the playoffs Teams can jump in It is nuts how many teams are separated by just a few games on that AFC side Oh my god, I love it Everything's coming down I mean, this is playoff football It's like we get an extra week of playoff football with a new um with a new start with a new with the, excuse me with a new game this year it's like plans yeah so many of these yeah. games are like additional play in games for teams it's it they mean so much and the way that the schedule is this week now no more thursday games there are no saturday games this week it is sunday and then monday and we've got a full slate of 16 and we're going to jump right on in eric um so yeah it, it is one thing just kind of overall that it doesn't usually work out this way, Eric, but this year in particular for people like you and me who kind of play the way that we do, um, we kind of try to pride ourselves on being sort of professional, better, sl- sharper players. Every time a team this year has gotten hot or gotten kind of buzzy, they've won three or four games in a row. Everyone started talking about them like they're the best team in football. They've all come back to life. Every single team this year Which is kind of fun Because normally that doesn't happen That like that that obviously Right there are some teams that will Continue to kind of Get quote unquote lucky and then you'll Want to play against them but wow think about Every team this year who has gone on A good stretch and then they've Fallen off a cliff afterwards It's happened with Mm -hmm. the Bengals it's happened with The Ravens it's happened with the Titans it's happened With the Patriots it's happened with the Cardinals Everyone that every that people feel like are really really good They just go through this lull and You know coming into the playoffs it's all going to be about timing Who's the healthiest with all the COVID issues now Um, One more thing to mention is that the protocols have changed Just in the last few days which I mean I completely understand why they're doing that Eric We're in a pandemic times are changing things are changing They're getting more information but wouldn't you be sort of pissed off if you're one of the teams that had to deal with the 10 day protocols throughout the year and your players had to miss and now you look across and the team that you're playing only has to deal with the five day protocols? I mean, it's just one of those things how it works <laughs> I know. out. I mean, oh, like, yeah. with, with the outbreak that's going on, you could kind of sense that like this was going to happen just because, you know, but it's one of those things like at the end of the day, um, like my old man says, winners win, man. You know, everyone's got to deal with it. You got to figure it out and just compete the best. They want it. They're just trying to get their games in. You know, they 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 can't cancel anything. They can't push anything back. And um, it it is. I was just sitting thinking though, it'd be so funny if you're a team that misses by a by a game or two. And you know, for example, you missed your quarterback. And now a lot of these teams are going to get the opportunities to have guys go into the protocols and you actually get back in just a few days. So. Again, as things change, the one piece of uh, information and advice we'll always give you is before you make your bets, check everything that you can. Check who's who's playing, check what the, you know, when they went into protocols, things like that. I know it's an extra layer of handicapping now, but anytime you're putting your money up, you have to be as prepared as possible if you want to win. Um, if you don't care, then you know, you, and you're just kind of fired away for for nothing, then I I guess the that won't matter, but who who doesn't want to win? Who doesn't want to win? Everybody wants to win. And we are going to help you win this weekend. We're going to start out with the Falcons and the Bills, Eric. So the Bills are now a 14 and a half point favorite in this game. And so let's give the Bills some credit because they 
beat the crap out of the Patriots last week And honestly, it was not even nearly as close as it might have looked on paper I mean, they dominated that game in most facets I was texting uh, with you throughout the game When Josh, and and this is like, um, you know, he He'll always obviously have some of his you know weak games, but when Josh Allen has like the best version of a Josh Allen game, he might even be better on that day than Mahomes because of the running and because of like just the package that he has when he puts it all together. I kind of was reading into it, and they said that Josh Allen came into the uh, the stadium before the game against the Patriots, and he told the team he was feeling violent. He said, yeah, he said he was thinking about violence today. I just kind of like hearing some of those things. So before we get into how to approach this game, that was a pretty damn good performance from him. And he's someone who has kind of struggled to connect, put it together throughout the year. But the last few weeks, at least they've, they've understood that for Josh Allen to be the best version of him, he has to be running eight to 10 times a game at least. Yeah. They, he needs to run just because they have no running game at all. They need something that will keep the defense Honest and like we need a flashback to when Carolina had their run with Cam as the quarterback. That's kind of what Buffalo is trying to emulate right now. That's what they're trying to do, just because they don't have a running back. Um, so I will give credit where credit is due. They came in, they rebounded, they, they spanked them. Um, this is kind of the spot where you know you kind of look to back the Falcons, but when you look at what the Falcons have done, anytime they've played a good team, they've struggled and the Bills never take their foot off the gas. So yeah, I know it's sitting at 14 and a half, quote unquote, dead number. But if I was forced to play anything, I would play the actually the Bills laying the 14. Yeah, the, this is one of those games, like you said, where you want to play the Falcons based on the number. and But but the problem is, is well, where it's sitting just over 14, they're kind of baiting you. You know, they're kind of baiting you to take the Falcons because it's like, oh, yeah, 14 and a half. You know, you can you can get the back door here. I think that at the in the second half of that Tampa game that the Bills kind of figured something out when they had Josh start to starting to run. So like last week they had more first downs, more total plays, more total yards, more yards per play. They were six for 12 on third down compared to one to 10. For uh, the Patriots they won the time of possession By over 10 minutes They actually had a 4th and 1 at the 1 yard line And they got stopped They had another fourth. Uh, they had another drive where they were driving And it looked like they were going to kick They were going to score a touchdown And they had a bad holding penalty that bumped them back And then they ended up having to kick a field goal That could have been 14 points That they ended up getting 3 out of I mean they were really dominant There was a, a, a good quote here From Football Outsiders And like we said, this could be the spot feels like a flat-ish kind of spot, right? For Tampa, they got up. They beat their big rival, a team that beat them a couple weeks ago. Emotionally, that was that's as big of a win as you could possibly have for Buffalo. But with the season now on the – like in the middle of the year, I would have played Atlanta here. I think with everything they still have to play for, you know, with the next two weeks, knowing that oh, we've got the division now again, we cannot ha- flub here. Um, if this thing creeps up a little more, I might end up jumping in. This was the quote from Football Outsiders. Josh Allen was awesome today. He saw every good thing he can do. Strong arm mobility, good decision-making, ability to Im- improvise, like on those shovel passes at the end. He is very difficult to defend, and the lack of the pass rush um, didn't help. But even if the pass rush gets there, he improvi- he improvises and gets out of the pocket, and he can find an open receiver or just run 20 yards. He flipped a couple balls 
that were just incredible. And um, major shout out to Isaiah McKenzie, who he got in trouble earlier in the year, along with Cole Beasley, for you know violating some of the uh, the protocols. And he was unvaccinated. The next day, he ended up getting his first shot. And Beasley's kind of had a weird up and down year. He had a really good year last year. He hasn't been as good this year. McKenzie had 11 catches and 125 yards filling in for Beasley out of the slot. He had never had one game in his life with even seven catches. He had never had more than 70 receiving yards. He had seven catches all season. And he had 11 for 125 in that game against the Patriots. He was deactivated for two games in the last month because of fumbling issues. Mm -hmm. Yet you step up there. That's that's one of those things, Eric, that you kind of see with good teams too, right? Next man up. Hey, somebody kind of comes out of nowhere. That'll be – this guy may not – who knows? Maybe he has a good – Stretch of games and he ends up being uh, You know catching big you know passes for them In the playoffs but even if he never does Anything again that that'll be like the uh, The McKenzie game you know that'll be One guy who who ended up helping Them along their run Beating the Patriots those are things that You just got to remember and um, Before we get out of here and move On to the next game just two more things I wanted to mention on the Bill side injury to the left guard towards Achilles will miss the rest of the season keep that in mind he has played in all 15 games started 10 and he only had missed two snaps since week eight so as they'd been starting to play well he was a major part of it on that offensive line Eric is one man who always talks about how important those offensive linemen are and when you miss one or two of them that can really hurt a lot more than people will uh, will realize and how about this the bills did not punt it was the first time in Bill Belichick's 40, 474 games as a head coach that the opponent did not punt. Wow. That's crazy. That's nuts. That is absolute crazy. Didn't I never – I was like nuts. I couldn't believe it when I was reading that. So uh, impressive from the Bills there. Huge, huge spread this weekend. Eric and I are both kind of staying away right now. We'll see if it balloons up though. We've, we've been known to get dirty. E- even at 7 and 8, the Falcons are ranked dead last in DVOA. That is nuts. They've won nice. seven games and they're dead last in just the pure metrics because that shows you just how bad they are when they lose. And then when they win, it's just these kind of weird, barely beating bad teams where they don't even look that good sort of wins as uh, we move along to Giants and the Bears. This is a beautiful game here. Uh, man. So from last week, I, I, won- <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, from. A couple of weeks ago at the end of the game in garbage time, he looked a little more competent than uh, than Glennon. You know, Fromm will be a little decent. Last week, the Giants had 192 total yards, 2.6 yards per play. They had two turnovers that both ended up really costing them. A touchdown, and another pick six was an interception that set up Philly on the 21-yard line, um, and they had to go five plays for a touchdown. So they basically gave up two touchdowns uh, in their two, on two turnovers. Fromm was the lowest... Ranked quarterback of the week Out of 38 quarterbacks that took a snap Based on pro football focus He got a 33.7 Out of 100 Just like you're getting graded on your test He was There was only one other player That was graded below 40 on the week He finished 6 of 17 For 25 yards All that being said I mean it was only 3 to 3 at halftime And the Giants got the ball To start the second half Eric here are their drives. While you're tied, two plays interception, three plays, two yards and a punt, three plays, one yard and a punt, five plays, 17 yards and a punt, and then a pick six. 
They went from 3-3 to down 34-3 (laughs) In those Just like in the snap of a finger The thing I look at it like this They made this big announcement saying that um, Joe Judge is going to be back Um, And And they're worse They're worse But I mean to me that tells me that This team has quit On their uh, On the coach They don't believe in the coach They just want to get through the season Everything's done And um your window in the NFL is so small. They're at a really crucial time in the um, in their um, franchise development. You know, they don't have a new GM, and they're t- they're saying that they're going to keep the coach, which makes absolutely zero sense. You have Andrew Thomas that was just getting sandblasted this preseason. Per PFF, um, he's allowed one sack in 462 pass blocking opportunities, which is absolutely insane. So they definitely got something right in that pick, but. With everything going on in the Giants, like, I cannot bet them. On the flip side with the Bears, um, I'm looking back. I rewatched the game. Bears played that game for Nick Foles. I mean, the fact that Andy Dalton was starting and Nick Foles wasn't for those games when Fields was hurt is just absolutely mind-boggling to own. If I'm the Jaguars. Honest question, how many games – I was thinking about this last night. How many games do do the Panthers win with Foles? Yeah, I mean, he's a huge upgrade. And honestly, if I'm the Jaguars, I am trading for Nick Foles, and I'm just having him there to mentor. Just in case. And just to be there. No, just to mentor. Just to to teach him. Yeah. He's got so many bad habits. I mean, the fact that you didn't have Foles in more of a mentorship role with Fields is kind of astronomical to me. Um, Yeah, there's just way too many questions going on with both. Like, you know what I mean? With both sides. Like and also the funny thing is, is the Bears don't even have a first round pick this year. So I mean the Giants had their first round pick because of the Fields trade. So yeah, with both sides, there's just way too many issues. I just gotta stay away with this bad boy. Yeah, the Giants are uh, six point underdogs on the road. So the Bears are a six point favorite in this game. Giants come into this game at four and eleven, six and nine against the spread. Bears five and ten, straight up five and ten against the spread. I mean the Bears dominated the time of possession last week, thirty eight minutes. Plus to 21 minutes and 35 seconds for Seattle Fools was kind of how you'd expect someone who hadn't played in a while He was a little bit passive for the first three quarters of the game And then in the fourth quarter he went 7 of 11 99 yards at a touchdown He averaged 11 yards depth of target and just one turnover worthy play in the game That's what you want from your backup quarterback from someone to come in right Kind of play it play it cautious and then hey we're in the game Now we have to go try and make some plays and yeah, they need you need a little bit of luck too. They were down ten late in the game, but they were able to get Montgomery. See, look at the difference in a game like this too, Eric. They ended up winning. It wasn't pretty, but they're banged up. They know they have what ends their Foles is probably their best quarterback. He but he's still their third stringer in that he's not the guy that's been taking snaps all year, and he's not the guy that's been prepared. So you don't want to. You don't want to put it totally on him, right? So what do you do? Montgomery gets 28 touches. Why don't coaches why we you and I have been having this conversation with with so many of these teams that are decimated by COVID injuries and stuff. If you've got one of the best players on the field and you and they're there, why don't you just lean on them? And, and look, Montgomery only had 45 yards rushing on 21 carries, but they kept giving him the ball and what happens? Oh yeah. He ends up breaking a couple passes, you know, breaking a couple um, you know, runs on short little passes. So he ended up getting 61 yards receiving. So now all of a sudden, 
he's over 100 yards You're able to kind of move the ball You're able to slow the clock down a little bit You you pick up a couple extra first downs So you don't just give it right back to the other team It's just a, a smart way to play football When you're when you're undermanned It is because I mean You lean on the defense a little bit more You make them a little bit tired You got to lean on that run game Like a lot of these coaches just get way too fancy For their own deal Like Why Chubb wasn't Chubb and, and Kamara Those guys in the in these situations last week They should have had 30 touches 35 touches, Chubb and Kamara. Those guys should have been every time. It, it would be more <laughs> less less surprising if you gave them the ball every time than what happened for both of them in their games that we're going to get to in just a minute. So, yeah, no real strong opinion for me in, in, here in this one as we move along to Chiefs-Bengals. So the Bengals are a five-point underdog at home here. The Chiefs, is, is it eight in a row now? For them, yep, they are just humming along, and the uh, offense they they look good right now. You know they look for a few weeks. It, lo- it they were they were kind of playing well defensively for a while. Their offense wasn't looking good, and now they're kind of coming together a little bit. The Bengals are playing some very good football right now. And Eric, all the Bengals need to do in their last two games is just win one to clinch the division. Yep, yep. Um, I mean. When this number first came out, I said to myself, I have to take the Bengals here. But then the more I looked out on it, I mean, this is a perfect sandwich spot. Basically, the game the Bengals need is next week against the Browns. You know what I mean? So I can't talk myself into taking the Bengals here as much as I want to, and everything leads leads me to take it. You have Wilson coming back, who's their linebacker, who's going to cover the tight end. He'll guard Kelsey. He's actually athletic enough where he can't keep up with Kelsey. Defense has been playing great. They're getting to the quarterback. DBs for Bengals have been playing great. I mean, everything wants me to take this game, but the fact that you have an inexperienced coach and you're coming off a huge win against the Ravens. Huge um, win emotionally. Then after the game, Joey B is swinging his big D around. At, yeah. You know, he's wearing the Santa hat and the SpongeBob Krusty Krab shirt. He's talking about how... You know, they shouldn't have shit-talked him the week before, you know? Yeah, I mean, like just, Which is great. I, I I loved it, you know? And and you and I got it. It's funny how how fantastic for someone like me who who got into Harbaugh earlier in the year for, for Harbaugh's crap. Remember when he was doing the 100 yards thing at the end of the game? And then he complained that they were passing late in the game. What a whiny, what a whiny wiener. It's like, dude, you have been... Such a prick. You you had you cared about preseason win records. You cared about stupid, meaningless hundred yard rushing stuff. This is a rival of yours that you beat the crap out of for a long time. If they want to stomp on you, of course they can. I love that he complained about it afterwards too. I know that's a little bit of a tangent, but just God, it made me feel so great. I I, I think I'm with you completely though, because this again, if this was like in the middle of the year. And there wasn't so much on the line last week for the Bengals And then so much on the line next week I mean, think about it The Bengals could very easily lose both of these games And, and the, like everything that needs to happen for the Browns Is actually like probably favored to happen You know, yeah. it's just there's a lot of things that need to happen For the Browns or for one of these other teams to win the division But we look, we're looking at the Bengals who are a five-point underdog right now The Browns need to win their game They're favored in that game The Ravens need to lose their game The Rams are favored in that game And then next week, 
Cleveland's going to be at home facing the Bengals. They're probably going to be favored in that game slightly. And it, it, so it is a little scary for the Bengals because you, things are so good. You you feel so good right now coming off of last week, but it could quickly fall for you really quickly in these next you few weeks. You come crashing down fast. Like yeah. really bad. And for someone like our poor friend Biho, right? Like I'm just thinking about where he is mentally right now and how excited he is. And last week he was tweeting we're better than the Chiefs. Did you see him start tweeting that when they were winning? <laughs> they were like crushed. Yeah, and everything could just come crashing down. And, and, and let me and like, flip with how close these teams are. And I think they are very good. I really do. Like, I think they're a very good team. And what's nice about them is they have a, a very good quarterback, right? He's awesome. Burrow is legit. So uh, 575 total yards, 8.2 yards per play last week. They had 33 first downs. They went 5 for 10 on third, 2 for 2 on fourth. They dominated in every way. They won the time of possession by almost 15 minutes. They had nine possessions in the game. They scored on their first seven. Then on the eighth, they missed a field goal. And the ninth, it was their final possession. They just ran the clock out for the last three minutes and 24 seconds of the game. I mean, that's how you... That's how you win a football game right there. Burrow is now the number one graded quarterback by pro football focus on the year of quarterbacks to take at least 50% of their snaps on the year. Burrow, he was 37 for 46, 525 yards, four touchdowns. He set a franchise record for passing yards, the fourth most ever passing yards in a game in the NFL, 88.6 adjusted completion percentage, the second highest figure this season. 14 for 16 against the Blitz for 193 yards and a touchdown. Um, As a team, they didn't run the ball that much. They didn't really have to, but they had three guys just light it up with Higgins with 12 receptions for 129, uh, 194 yards. And then Chase had six explosive plays, seven catches, 125 yards. But I mean, that looked great. And you can only beat who's on your schedule, but that was against a decimated Baltimore Ravens team who were missing a lot of players, and Josh Johnson was starting for them off of like three days. Um, I mean, that is kind of deceptive just because the Ravens were missing everybody. They had mm-hmm. Their top two cornerbacks were A, a practice squad player, and B, someone they literally just signed off the streets. So, I mean, credit to Burrow. He balled out. I did great in my DFS contest because he was the one quarterback I had going in every single lineup. But on the flip side, you kind of have to take that for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of yeah, have to exactly, like exactly. And, kind of and you, that's when you want to play against them, you know? Yeah. But but the, the problem is, both of these teams are kind of overvalued right now. You know what I mean? They're both at, at high value points because the Chiefs, they've, yeah, we said eight in a row. They've outscored their opponents 140 to 56 since the bye. That's <laughs> um, insane. They, they scored on their first four possessions and the game was just over. It was like, oh, sorry, Pittsburgh. <laughs> you ain't coming back in some goofy way against us like you have against everybody else. Without Kelsey, nine different receivers caught a pass. And the offensive line, which, you know, that's the thing that you think about last year in the Super Bowl where they struggled. Just four pressures allowed on 30 pass-blocking snaps. They have a rookie center, Creed Humphrey. Very impressive. He allowed zero pressures. Only one of their linemen allowed multiple pressures. Those are little things that... You know, people aren't looking into, you know, oh, yeah, their offensive line is better. And why? Because you got a young rookie who's developing now throughout the year and he's getting better week to week, probably staying away. I mean, I wouldn't want to lay the points with KC. I'd lean Bengals if you were looking for a, a side to play like at anything over three. 
I would like the Bengals side because they could still lose this game in in a close one. But at the end of the day, I feel the Bengals are just still one year ahead of where they're yeah. supposed to be. I mean, like yeah. I said it like this is a I great year like, for like, them right now. Drafted Burrow. Yeah, I said like struggle from close to the playoffs, win the division, like four, year four, win a bowl. Like that's what I said, like on your first podcast when we talked about drafting Burrow. So I just kind of feel like they're just ahead of the curve, like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of playing with house money. Um, but when you look at Mahomes, and I was trying to think about this when I was on the treadmill this morning, I don't think he's lost to any other quarterback besides Brady in December and after. You know what I mean? Like, I was just trying to think off no. the top of my head. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head that he has. Because it was Brady and Brady in the playoffs, You know right? what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, it comes, when it comes money time, I mean, you can hate his wife, you can hate his brother, but the, the kid plays, dude. The kid comes up he with is. the good. So, yeah, I just, it's, it's tough to fade. It's tough to get involved in either side. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, earlier in the year was when Kansas City was struggling against the spread towards the end of last year and then throughout this year. Now they're not. Now they're beating the crap out of people and covering. They're eleven and four. They're they're up to eight and seven against the spread. Cincinnati nine and six. They are eight and seven against the spread. As we move along to our next game, Dolphins and the Titans. Now, another situation where give credit where credit's due. Right, Miami has won seven games in a row. They cannot control their schedule. They can't control the teams they have to play. They were one and seven. Since then, they've defeated Tyrod Taylor, Lamar, who was really bad and banged up in a decimated Ravens team. Joe Flacco. Yeah, but but like that Lamar. That I hate to interrupt you, but that Ravens game. Like people will say, "Well, I beat the Ravens with Lamar." That's coming. That's the Ravens coming off a short week where they played that physical overtime game against Crushed. the Vikings. They had n- they, they were decimated. Their secondary was terrible, and they just didn't have bodies out there. Their offensive line was awful, and Lamar was he wasn't himself either. He was bad, but like you could tell, he was a little bit banged up and hurt, a little off. So I mean, they just there's not really Mike Glennon, Zach Wilson, and Ian Book. That's who they faced during their winning stretch. Now, again, winning seven games in a row in the NFL is difficult no matter who you are. We've seen good teams throw, you know, stub their toe all all throughout the year. It happens all the time. You and I bet on the bad teams to try to beat the good teams all the time. But there's two separate ways you, you have to, you know, you have to look at the Dolphins. You have to look at them from, hey, they're in a much better spot than they were seven weeks ago when we were talking about are they going to fire their coach and Tua, where I don't think you and I believe in him at all, he's at least been serviceable enough for them and done, and he's at least done well the things that he does well. Short stuff, he has to have a high completion percentage. If he's not doing that, then he's in trouble. He, you know, you're going to have a ceiling with Tua. You're never really going to be able to beat a good team because he's not going to be able to throw the ball down the field, and that still doesn't happen. But he's at least been. The best version of Tua that we that we've seen so far. That's all. You know, um, I just I, I don't believe in them beating any any good teams. And I think that this is sort of now where we were with the Dolphins last year, where, where you and I started wanting to play against them every week because it's like, okay, now they're getting some of these wins. Even throughout this stretch, they're probably three or four of these games they should have lost. You know, or they yeah. very they very easily could have lost that were really close, kind of went back and forth, and then they just had a. They just had a little more talent on the defensive side that kind of would wear would wear everybody down. 
and we got to give Waddle credit. I think he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit this year, Eric, because you know Miami's not this sexy offensive team. He had ten receptions, tying Jerry Rice for the most ever by a rookie on Monday Night Football. He's the third rookie ever to have eight plus catches in four straight games, ninety six catches on the season. If he has six more, he sets the rookie record for the most ever, which is one hundred and two catches. Um, but like you know, you dig into their win. They got a pick six on the Saints. First possession, they're up seven nothing. This is a total Miami way to start a game. Game's only ten to three at halftime, and the Saints get the ball twice more to start the second half. It's still ten to three. They can't do anything. Miami gets the ball for their second possession of the second half. They score a touchdown, and now it's seventeen to three, and and the game's over there. But it wasn't as if they were impressive at that point. They had a pick six touchdown, and it would they were playing against Book. And and you and I were like pulling our hair out wondering why Kamara didn't get the ball more um, in that game. They only had 259 total yards, the Dolphins, 4.4 yards per play. They just won easily because the Saints couldn't move the ball at all. Two, the offensive line was eh. Tua was pressured on 14 of 33 dropbacks. He finished the game with five turnover-worthy plays. He was ranked number 32 on the week by Pro Football Focus in passing grade. He was actually lower than Book, who he played against. But but he, he just he has a little bit more of a margin for error when you're playing against such a bad team like the Saints had out on the field on Monday night. Ah, the only problem I have is the number, right? Like it's three and a half. I still think Tennessee's the better team, but I don't think Tennessee was the type of team that we were kind of digging at for a while, saying that they weren't quite as good as their record is. I do think Miami's a little phony, but I don't I don't really love this number. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to wait. If it gets down to three, I'll play it. But at the current spot, you really can't play it. I mean, I really think Tennessee rolls, even though Tennessee in the receiver room has having, having a little bit of a COVID breakout. Um, Julio has it. Uh, Westbrook has it. Brown's healthy, which is still good. Um, this Dolphins team, I mean, you, you beat the teams that are in front of you. But that win on Monday night was not impressive at all. The win against the Jets was not impressive at all. Um, and I always feel like pe- like I get so many messages like saying I'm wrong about Tua. I mean, how can anyone sit back and watch the game and say Tua is the answer? I mean, there was that one play where if he just would have led the wide receiver, that was a touchdown. The kid can't throw the ball down the field. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, their defense is playing great. Offensive line is a complete mess. He- He's so a college they, they got, quarterback, you know, what he, you know, and that's honestly what he is. He's a tough guy. He can rah-rah you. He's like a really, really – he's got intangibles, you know. Like he's got the Russell Wilson intangibles, but he just can't throw. He He's very much like Tim Tebow, to be honest, and I know people don't want to hear that. Um, and it's not even that like he's – he can throw better than Tebow, right? But he's the template of someone like him in that he can win you some games, but he, he's – you're never going to be able to really lean on him ever. And you're going to be so handicapped at what you're allowed to do as a team. At, at like the playbook, it's just going to be shrunken and minimized. I'm I'm with you. Like I want to be on the Titans side here. If it gets to three, I will. Miami comes into this game now at eight and seven, eight, six and one ATS. Tennessee at 10 and five, nine and six ATS. I mean, it was so great. This was the one last week that I loved uh, the San Francisco game because I think I was telling you a few weeks before. Actually, last week on the show, we were talking about how there were some 49ers fans that were puffing their chest out. And I was just trying to tell them, 
they're, they're not quite as good as some of their recent um, games would suggest. And like, they're not bad, but now they got quarterback issues to, to worry about and we'll see. But they were just looking a little bit better coming off of their, their couple victories than they were. And then Tennessee wins that game last week. They didn't move the ball at all in the first half. Four drives. They didn't get more than 19 yards on any of those four. And they they punted all four times they got the ball to start. Four, uh, two yards punt, three yards punt, six yards punt, 19 yards punt. Got the ball to start the second half. They kicked a field goal. Then the 49ers threw an interception. And Tennessee went four plays, 18 yards, and scored a touchdown. Then the 49ers... Turned the ball over on downs Tennessee went seven plays 59 yards scored a touchdown And then in three possessions they just flipped the game They were down 10 nothing and they are all of a sudden up 17 to 10 It was pretty crazy oh, yeah. And that's how they win games That's what they do to you You know I, I mean I'll give them credit They started picking on the matchup I mean the matchup they mm-hmm. had advantage on Was um, AJ Brown And they just started peppering him with targets And then they cruised So I mean like I will totally give Rabel and the coaching staff credit. They found the matchup they had the advantage on, started picking on it, and that led to an easy victory for them. I mean, yeah. not easy, but they were able to cruise to a victory. Um, but, yeah, this would be a team because they're starting to get their weapons back. They're starting to get Brown back, a dynamic receiver. Henry's coming back. This would be a sneaky team. Like, if you can find them anywhere north at 20-1, to 1, you know, maybe put a little bit of money on them for a future. He's the type of guy where we saw last week what a game-changer Brown can be. Right, That was what they had been missing for a lot of the year The possession receiver Someone who you can go to on third and six Third and eight And will make a great play for you And then he is Over the last couple years One of the most like This is the wrong word in this day and age Contagious receivers And what I mean by that Just like he gets heat checky He's like you're playing NBA Jam you start throwing it to him and then like two times in a row And then it's like he's on fire And then afterwards it's like you just have to throw it in his area And the dude's got the yeah. stick him on his gloves He's just going to go up and get it He's one of those guys where he might have a drop or two earlier in the game But wow like when he starts feeling it He will just like he's like spy He's just going to just like everything is going to be yeah. in his vicinity So big game here Big game here for the uh, the Titans, they got the ball tied 17, and they drove eight plays, 49 yards, and two minutes and 16 seconds to kick a game-winning field goal, put them up three points with four seconds left in the game. That's how you have to do it. That was well done by a veteran quarterback with uh, Brown there and with a, a, a good, good coach just realizing, hey, let's run this out, kick a field goal, and boom, let's get the victory as we move along to Raiders-Colts. So you and I are recording this a little bit earlier than normal because of the holiday. We're uh, on Thursday, early Thursday morning, the, the morning of the 30th. So as of right now, where do we stand with Carson Wentz? If he gets a negative test on Saturday, he can play. Um, so, yeah, it's still up in the air what he's going to mm-hmm. do. And I um, think I mean, the, line is, the line is saying that, that he's going to play. That's how it's built right now. He's, well, you know, I mean, that, it was like when we did our look ahead show on Sunday. It was at nine. It got all the, it got bet down to like seven, seven and a half, and then it dropped out. Now it's slowly wait, working his way back up. Um, the fact the Colts reached out to Philip Rivers basically tells you all you need to know about how they feel about uh, Sam Ellinger, the backup that they have for once. That basically tells you all they need to know. The fact they're reaching out to Philip Rivers. Um, the stat I found interesting is 
even though Wentz only has like four INTs on the year, he leads the league in interception worthy throws. So, I mean, he's basically just a turnover waiting to happen. Um, I want to take the Raiders here. I'm just going to wait. If I can get the seven, maybe over the seven, I'll take it if Wentz comes back. But even if Wentz doesn't go, the fact that Bright is reaching out to try to get Rivers to come back from coaching high school football to run an NFL team, that pretty much tells me all I need to know how much faith he has in the in the backup. So Probably going to yeah. stay away from this game. There's a couple things for both sides I want to mention. We've seen a lot of the uh, Andrew Luck gifts. That'd be so funny. Andrew Luck just walks back in like... I saw in the people were like, uh, Andrew Luck's going to come in like Bill Murray in Space Jam. Dun, 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 you know, and um, here he comes. It, that'd be just hilarious, Andrew Luck, to save the day. The Colts were, man, shout out to them. You and I, I, we were on the right side last week on the Arizona side. The Colts were missing more than five starters. Their offensive line was decimated because of the COVID protocols. They still won on the road against Arizona. Now, a lot of that was because the inept. You know things Arizona did but again Like at this point of the year right now In basketball and football and stuff Wins are wins Win, Wins don't matter It doesn't matter who you beat Until like we're going the next week and trying to bet you Right but it, it doesn't matter Like there aren't good wins bad wins impressive wins It's just wins right now With everything happening yeah. you, you stack your win that's all that matters Now from a gambling standpoint We're going to dig into those wins and see which ones May have looked Better than they were may may have not been as bad as they were you know losses that weren't as bad but major props to them because by the middle of the second quarter they were without four of their five starting offensive linemen and Jack Doyle who's like a really good blocking tight end um, yeah so Taylor had 27 carries 108 yards just four point just four yards per carry but again it was like the same thing I was saying with Montgomery they lean on the guy. You give him the ball 30 times and he's going to get a, pick up a couple first downs. You're going to move the clock. You're going to eliminate, you know, the amount of possessions in the game and it's going to make it a little e- easier for you to stay in games when you're undermanned. And, that, and that's the thing for the Colts too if they are without Wentz. They have a really really good running back that they can lean on, that they can hand the ball to over and over and over again. I'd imagine that would be their game plan. And I didn't get the number, I didn't get the better number for the Raiders. Which I think you and I were talking about and I wanted to But I'm just getting I'm so hesitant in this it, Nowadays with COVID You know and I should have that, that was one that we were talking about in that The big dogs are ones that You are oh, you shouldn't feel as worried to play Like teams yeah. that are above a seven point underdog You know because If How much worse is it going to get for them and, if, and they're the type of teams that for some reason If COVID protocols happen the other way you're going to get what happened here Like the Raiders are up to six and a half, seven And you might have been able to get them at eight and a half or nine The other day So, they, I mean, they dominated their game on paper They had more first downs, 22 to eight On third down, they were six of 12 Denver was one for 10 They ran more plays, 67 to 40 Denver only had 158 total yards Compared to 342 for the Raiders 5.1 yards per play To just four for Denver They won the time of possession by over 13 minutes but they had three Turnovers and that kept Denver in the game They they Actually turned they fumbled the ball on their own 33 Denver could only move The ball four yards and then kick a field goal Then on the next drive on the next play Carr Botched this little screen pass he Couldn't get it over Chubb and They threw an interception Denver went To the one and scored they got up 13 7 it was really crazy um, how quickly Denver was able to put t- 10 points on the board just on Raider mistakes 
Raiders come into this game 8 and 7, 6 and 9 ATS. The Colts 9 and 6, 10 and 5 ATS. As we get to our next game, Jags, Patriots, Mac Jones, Jack Moans is a 16 point favorite here. And the Patriots, they've come back to life their last couple weeks. They're another one of those teams that had a good stretch of games, but they were never as good as they looked. When they were beating up on teams during that stretch, they were just kind of catching everyone at the right moment. This feels like a great spot for them, but wow, a 16 point spread. And what's the total in this game? Like 42? It's pretty low. Yeah, low total. So, I mean, I mean, it's hard to play really, the Jags last week, man. You and I were on them. I was on them, I know for sure. And watching what they did and Lawrence spiked the ball, spike the ball, third down the with 12 seconds left. You got plenty of time. Just run a play. Run a play, and you're going to have plenty of time to run another play. What the? That is the problem with that is like, that's not something that you can blame on Urban Meyer. That's something that you should learn in Pop Warner. Like, that's that's basic football stuff there, right? Yeah. I mean, he is on the path to becoming a huge bust, and it's really sad. Um, I do feel, though, that there's just certain aspects of the game that, how can I say this? Like, you look at Clemson struggling this year, and they are struggling. They got awful on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, Lawrence does have talent. There's no one to argue in that. But there's a huge step from the NFL game, from the college game to the NFL game. And he's just not getting the stuff that is needed for him to make that step. And he's just regressing, 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 regressing. And in that moment, he probably thought he was making the right play. Like, he probably didn't even know what down it was. So, yeah, it's just... It's just sad. I mean, it's Belichick against the against the rookie. I know it. I know it's a huge number. I hate laying huge numbers. Um, Jags don't have their best player in James Robinson. And for a second, I feel legitimately awful for James Robinson. I mean, you have an undrafted kid, so he's basically in the league minimum. Bust his ass. Great rookie campaign. Comes in. Urban Meyer drafts Travis Etienne with the first round. So obviously. Like, you know, he's behind the eight ball. Eddie gets hurt. Robinson, at the beginning of the year, I don't know, like, even with the limited snaps, he was still on pace to break what he was doing the year before. I always kind of felt Meyer was just playing games with him. It wasn't giving him the run he needed. Brings in old man Carlos Hyde. Like, yeah, I, I, felt, I feel awful for James Robinson. I feel he got totally got screwed this year, and I hate to see he, he ruptured his, his, his Achilles. And, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a career ender for a running back. He's basically done now. So I hate to see it. Um, but no, Robinson's out. I just there's just no way I can back the Jays at this big number. Yeah. I mean, they had more first downs, total plays, total yards, time of possession. They still lost that game to the Jets. Uh turnover. James Robinson got hurt. They got stopped on the goal line to end the game. Uh Lawrence, 25 for 39, 280 yards, two fumbles. He lost one. He had two turnover worthy plays, two big time throws. This was the eighth game this year where he didn't throw a passing touchdown. Eight times this year he hasn't even thrown a touchdown On the other side Mac Jones did not look good Again um, He was 14 for 32 For 145 yards, two interceptions The last three games that Mac Jones Has played He has ranked 42nd of quarterbacks In that stretch that That have taken a snap Based on pro football focus passing grade He has a 52.3 In the last three games that he's played at halftime, he was 5 for 13 for 47 yards. He did run the ball six times for 33 yards. Harris had 18 carries for 103 yards, three touchdowns. Honestly, 
that game shouldn't even have been as close as it was The Bills squandered a couple opportunities to put the game away earlier They only had seven passing first downs They were only one of ten on third downs Remember earlier in the year that game against the Browns Where they were like eight of eight to start on third down And everything was going right That just, that doesn't continue to happen That doesn't hold up It just, you can't, when you do things like that You know it's not going to sustain You were pointing this out with the Chargers early in the year Where they were having a really tough time on first and second down And and, and then Herbert was having to bail them out on third and fourth down all the time You're just not going to do it Especially when you have a rookie like Mac. And last week, they gave Mac plenty of time to throw 3.18 seconds before passing That was the highest mark of the year The offensive line allowed just six pressures None were sacks And maybe that's what it is It's that he's the type of guy right now He has to do everything sort of quickly, right? He's not quite sharp enough yet to go through his progressions For him, if he can just kind of drop back and make one throw And the throw is there, I think they'll be okay But if you take that away from him And you're even not pressuring him as much And just kind of making him sit back there and and survey everything And he doesn't exactly know where to go That might be the way you, you... you heard him right now, and that's what they were doing. And people kind of figured the opposite. Maybe you put a lot of pressure on them. Sometimes you 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 make them think, and you give them too much time, and that's when when they get inside their own head. And that's that's sort of what Mac was doing last week. Um, yeah, nothing really strong here. As the Patriots, I mean, if they for some reason got silly here and 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 blew this game, if they lost to the Dolphins in the final week of the year, they'd be out of the playoffs. If they lose their next two, they don't even make it. Two weeks ago, they were the one seed, you know, and that's how quickly it could flip for them. They're nine and six, nine and six ATS. The Jags at two and 13, four and 11 against the spread as we move to the Bucks versus the Jets. And man, how about last week? Uh, They said Antonio Brown, you know, he fakes a COVID thing, card, felony. Who knows if he's going to play again? Oh, Fournette gets hurt. Godwin gets hurt. Evans gets hurt. We need AB. And what do they get? AB, number one receiver, Antonio Brown. He sure looked good. He sure looked happy to be out there. And I'm sure he'll be a force in fantasy and DFS over the next few weeks because he got 15 targets. He had 10 catches for 101 yards. He had eight first downs in that game. And they were missing six starters, but they led by 13 at halftime and they won 32 to 6. They clinched the NFC South for the first time since 2007. They were playing against the, uh, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, uh, Cam Darnold, Sam Newton combination of quarterbacks there. Um, the offensive line was very good. Just three pressures allowed on 32 pass blocking snaps for offensive linemen graded above an 80 in pass blocking situations by pro football focus. D line was pretty good also there for the bucks. And then, uh, Hey, shout out to the jets. They got a win. Probably was a game they shouldn't have won But Wilson had a really nice 52-yard touchdown run They finished with 273 yards rushing as a team On 36 carries Wilson had 91 yards rushing Carter had 118 yards rushing And Coleman had 57 yards rushing Hell, I mean, they got a win Without Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Crowder Um, Berrios was their number one receiver He he had a 102-yard kick return also For a touchdown I just I mean this number is huge. It's it's 13 on the road right now. Can you get involved? I mean, I'm looking at the Bucks right now. Um shit. Shaq Barrett out. Pierre out. Evans out. Sherman out. Davis out. Murphy Bunning out. Devin White out. Antonio Whitfield out. They have some key players that are out. I mean, I really want a 14. I mean, if the Jets would have lost, I'd be hammering this game. 
But if it gets over 14, I'll be involved in the Jets. But I just, with how banged up the Buccaneers are, and they have bigger aspirations, like, it's way too big of a number to be laying uh, with the current situation. Let's continue along. We go to Eagles, Washington. The Eagles are a three-point favorite in this game on the road, going to play the Washington football team, who just got the crap kicked out of them on Sunday night. Heineke was 7 for 22, 121 yards, two interceptions. He was ranked 34 of 38 quarterbacks that took a snap that week. Uh, this week. He had a 42% passing grade. Each offensive lineman allowed at least one pressure. They had just 14 total first downs, just 257 total yards. They were 3 of 13 on third down. They allowed Dallas to go 10 of 15 on third down and secure their only fourth down try. Gibson only had eight touches. Terry McLaren only had three touches for 40 yards. You couldn't get your best players involved. They had to bench Heineke because he was so awful. And that's probably just one of those burn the film tapes. I mean, it was... Really, really bad. Washington's now six and nine, five and nine and one ATS. Philly at eight and seven. They are eight, six and one ATS. Shout out to Eric who uh, sniffed out Philly a, a while ago, and and they've they've stacked up a couple wins. I gotta say, they didn't look very good last week in winning. They were playing a really bad Giants team. Here are the first five drives for Philly: three plays, six yards punt; four plays, six yards punt; three plays, five yards punt. Five plays, eight yards punt, nine plays, 53 yards, missed field goal. And they were down 3 nothing at that time. So nice that they were able to get the win, but they have to just play better moving forward because if you're playing a better team, like, for example, what just happened to Dallas, I mean, in the Dallas game, they could have been down 28 to nothing against a better team, and then you're just done. Hertz had three turnover-worthy plays. They did move the ball a lot better in the second half. I mean, overall, they had more total yards, 324 to 192. They had 11 penalties that ended up hurting them for 79 yards. They scored one of their touchdowns on a 21-yard drive after a Giants interception. They scored another touchdown on a pick six. So they did basically get 14 points. Sanders got hurt. That's something to monitor, but they do have a couple extra backs there. So, I mean, they weren't great or anything, but doesn't matter. Like I said, Eric, for some of your futures and stuff, wins are wins, and once you get in, you've got a shot. Yeah, when when you get in, and that's all we're trying to do with this future. You know, I have um, I have a lot of stuff tied in this Eagles team, but uh, I actually have a bet in this game. So uh, I like Washington here for the game. I like Washington here for the first half. You look at the Eagles. Eagles are historically s- slow starters. They've only covered two first halves this whole year. Um, one against the Saints and one against the Lions. So I really like them here. These teams literally just played each other two weeks ago. And that's when the football team was missing everybody. I'm looking at the practice, their injury report right now. Um, Flowers, their tackle, questionable. Samuel is coming back. He's supposed to play. And Gibson toe. So everyone's back from the um, from the COVID outbreak. They're finally going to get everyone healthy. Technically, they're still in it to win, to get into the playoffs. So this is going to be a great effort. You get a second team, second time going around, interdivisional dog playing at home. I love the football team here. I locked them in at three and a half, and I'll lock them in for the first half, just waiting to get a better number for that. We continue along with the uh, Ravens and the Rams. So the Ravens are a three and a half point underdog at home right now. Rams a three and a half point favorite on the road. Rams are eleven and four straight up, eight and seven ATS. Baltimore eight, seven straight up, seven and eight. ATS as uh, 
the Ravens had Lamar practice for the first time in a few weeks. They have dropped and dipped all the way down to number 28 in defensive DVOA football outsiders. They've had three of their five worst individual defensive games in the last five weeks. Week 16 was their worst defensive game of the year. Week 13 and 15 were their fourth and fifth worst defensive games of the year. Now, they did just have to start Josh Johnson at quarterback, but it wasn't as if it was his fault. He was actually okay. The secondary allowed 444 yards and four touchdowns. On the flip side, for the Rams, Daryl Henderson done for the year. But Sony Michelle has been very good as of late. 27 carries, 131 yards, a touchdown, 4.9 yards per carry. Also had a catch of uh, four yards, four uh, runs of over 10 yards. He broke two tackles, averaging 2.5 yards after contact per attempt. Stafford, though, man, he was really bad again. 21 for 37, uh, three interceptions, five turnover-worthy plays by Pro Football Focus, failed to record a big-time throw, and made many mistakes, whether he had pressure or not. He finished... Ranked 37 of 38 quarterbacks that took a snap in week 16. Only Jake from State From was worse than him <laughs> based on the grade. And um, both times the Vikings cut it to seven. The Rams were able to score again to make it a two games, a two score game. After a 2013 score, they drove 75 yards to go up 27-13. Then Minnesota scored again and they uh, drove to, to put it up 30 to 20. So they did get a 61-yard punt return that helped them out there. I want to play Baltimore. I do. You know, it's just – I don't know if I can get involved at over the three-and-a-half. I lean Baltimore. Where do you stack up in this game? I'm all over Baltimore. I locked them in at the plus three-and-a-half. Um, Shepard just tweeted out, though, Lamar was not on the practice field today. I think Lamar's going to play. The line is saying He's Lamar's got to play. play. He's got to play. So. Yeah. Um, you look at how the Rams play defense, it factors perfectly into what Lamar wants to do. Um, Stafford, he's not good on the road in cold weather against and against teams with winning records. I mean, I love Matt Stafford yet. I think he's a great guy, what he's done for Detroit and everything. And the stuff he did for his wife when she had uh, brain surgery and everything, world-class dude. But he just, this is, he struggles in these situations. And I think he's going to continue to struggle here. Ravens are starting to get people back. You mentioned how bad their defensive looked. I mean, they're, they're getting practice squad players and um, people off the street are their top two cornerbacks. So, of course, they're going to look bad. Now they're starting to get some starters back this week. This is a make or break it for them. I absolutely love them here. I'm going to take them plus the three and a half, and I'm going to parlay their money line with another dog that we'll get to later. We are going to get to Broncos Chargers next up. Broncos are seven and eight straight up, eight, uh, seven and eight ATS. Chargers eight and seven record, uh, eight and seven ATS. What a bad game for the Chargers last week. I mean, they were they were missing some key players, no doubt about it. But they they were playing the Texans, who were missing sixteen players from COVID. So I don't know if you can use that excuse. I mean, the top tier talent the Chargers were missing really hurt, right? Eckler, Bosa, Key Williams, key pieces. But the defensive line only had three pressures. No Chargers were able to win pass rushes or get their hands on Mills. Not a single defensive lineman registered a tackle for loss or no gain. Herbert was graded the 17th ranked quarterback this week by Pro Football Focus. He had a very bad game by his standards. Couldn't connect with Keenan Allen at all. He was only targeted five times against a really bad secondary. And the pick six late in the game, that really sealed it. On the flip side, for uh, Broncos, who are a six and a half point underdog in this game, Chargers right now are about a six and a half point favorite. 
The Broncos, they only had eight first downs on nine total drives. They only had four yards per play for 158 total yards. Ten points came directly off of Raiders' turnovers. Um, They had three drives in the second half. Three. They only got 62 total yards on those three drives. One of them resulted in a missed field goal, and they couldn't even capitalize on a Raider turnover. They only had 18 yards rushing as a team. How? With Javante Williams and Gordon. How can Williams only have seven carries? They were I one seen for, it for a while like, on third down. Their offensive line got destroyed by the Raiders' defensive line. They couldn't move the ball on the ground. They could not give Locke any time on and any big plays. This is a stay away for me. I got no clue here. I mean, the Broncos looked really, really bad last week, yet they were still in the game because of the Raiders' bad turnovers. The Chargers looked miserable. I'd imagine they're going to want to bounce back. I'm just, I'm staying away from this one. Yeah, I need to know what's going on in the quarterback. I mean, have they announced? Well, first of all, I want to say, I like I, this is one of the games I've actually had time to like rewatch. I'm a little behind schedule because I'm still at my parents' place this week um, for the holiday. But uh, I thought Locke, I thought there was plays, he was putting the ball on the receiver's arms. There was one play, he threw it right on Judy's arms, and it looked like Judy like purposely like just slapped it away from his face. Um, so the people that are saying Locke didn't play well, I like, I don't know, like from what I saw, he was making throws, like the receivers just weren't, weren't catching them. Maybe they're not used to the velocity of the throw. They it's throw a chemistry thing. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. So, I mean, that was a little weird. I got to see if Teddy plays, if Teddy plays, I'll probably be involved, but I mean, you have Vangio's defense, Herbert struggled historically against it. Um, you have a two-headed running monster, but they're not running the ball enough, and they're not giving their most explosive runner, like you said, Javante Williams, the ball. So I just, yeah, I want to play Denver here. I really do, but I just can't. I just can't do it. So this is this game, unfortunately, is probably going to be another pass for me. We get two Texans, 49ers. We've got the 49ers as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Texans are 4-11 and 11 straight up, 7-8, and eight, though, against the spread. San Francisco, 8-7, and 7-8 seven, seven and eight against the spread. Looks like we're going to get Trey Lance this week. we got to keep hearing on that because Jimmy G possibly hurt. Texans were missing 16 players with COVID protocols last week. They scored 41 points. This was their their list of playmakers, Eric. Starting quarterback, Davis Mills. The, the running back uh, monster of Rex Burkhead and Royce Freeman. And the leading wide receivers of Chris Conley and Brevin Jordan. Mills was... Like a top 10 quarterback by Pro Football Focus, and he was ranked number three last week by Football Outsiders on the week. There was nothing fluky about that win for the Texans. They had more first downs. They were nine for 13 on third down. They ran more total plays. They had more total yards. They had over nine minutes more in time of possessions. Hell, they even had 10 penalties for 70 yards, and they still won easily. And... As a team, they ran the ball 36 times for 189 yards, 5.3 yards per carry. Sexy Rexy had 22 carries for 149 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. They were ranked dead last in rushing offense, but they were facing the team that was 31st in rushing defense, and they crushed them. Now they they bumped the Chargers back down to dead last in rushing DVOA defense again. Um, on the flip side, the 49ers had the game. That they had uh, they had been winning the last few where, you know, they probably beat teams that were playing a little bit better than them. They lost, though. They had more first downs, total yards, yards per play, time of possession. Two turnovers ended up being the difference in the game. They were up 10-0 at the half, and 
Tennessee's four possessions were punt, 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 no more than 19 yards. But the 49ers couldn't really continue along in the second half. Jimmy G finished ranked number 23 of all the QBs. He had three turnover-worthy plays and only a 58 passing grade. And they only had 83 yards rushing as a team, four yards per carry. Debo Samuel had 32 on five carries. Two or three games where they weren't quite as good as they looked on paper. This game... Absolutely a game where they should have won Based on what was happening early in the first half But they couldn't Watching the replacements the other day A little bit of quicksand happening in this game yeah. And they couldn't, they couldn't stop it um, So this is the thing I'm looking at my projection model right now And the site I used to track 85% of the bets Are on the Texans But only 6% of the money so that and the flip side, 94% of the money is on the 49ers, but only 15% of the bets. So the, the sharper players, the big boy betters, they're betting the 49ers here. I really feel the Texans are going to be the public dog this week. I would have loved the Texans if they would have covered but not won that game against the Chargers. I think what their coaching staff is doing with the insane lack of talent that they have is absolutely insane. I mean, if this team had, had any resemblance of a build like you put this coaching staff in in jacksonville jacksonville has eight wins that's how good this coaching staff is with how limited um talent they have the fact davis mills isn't in the rookie of the year conversation is absolutely mind-boggling to me um what he's able to do with nothing around him um is great but yeah i just can't get involved here just because of that what i just read with how much money with the percentage of the money that is being bet on the uh, the lack of percentage of money, excuse me, being bet on the Texans, I feel this is for the Texans are a public dog this week because of that no bet for me. Yeah, I'm staying away from this one as well. We move along to Panthers, Saints, and, and uh, it will be Sammy D starting this week. The Panthers are five and ten, five and ten against the spread, three and zero. They started this year. The Saints are seven and eight, seven and eight against the spread. Cam started last week the first two drives And they would alternate Sam came in So just no flow For either one of them They were both bad too Sam was like 15 for 32 for 190 yards Cam ran 42 yards on 5 carries They were sacked The combined 7 times Three of them were because the offensive line Pass protection was an issue all game Every offensive line starter gave up at least Two pressures, all of them graded below A 66, and the defensive line Generated virtually zero Pressure um, The Saints, last week It was Book, he got sacked eight times I was really disappointed with what Sean Payton was doing Camaro only had 15 total touches So, and here's the, the thing Eric Which doesn't make any sense, their first Seven drives it's only 10 to 3. It's not like they're getting crushed. They run 29 plays and he had 9 touches. He had he was targeted twice more. So basically we can say 11 of the 29 plays were meant for Camara. If you would have told me 28 of the 29 plays were meant for Camara, that would have made more sense than 11 at that point. It didn't make any sense. Your season's on the line. Why is Book throwing the ball 20 times when you're only down 10 to 3 in the third quarter? I mean, they were missing a ton of players. They were severely depleted. But that was, was not a good game plan by head coach Sean Payton. It really wasn't. Uh, I'm going to stay away from this game. Don't I just there's a lot of moving pieces here. But um, that that felt like a game that the Saints just game plan wise they could have done a lot better. It looks like everything I've read said Darnold's going to start. I can't back Sam Darnold. I think this Carolina team. Has quit and it makes zero sense. You hit on the head. Why is Camara not touching the ball? There is this fourth and one play. Like, 
do give it give it to Kamara on the outside. Give it to Ingram up the middle. No, let's have our four-string rookie quarterback in his first career start roll to the right on the short side of the field. Whole game plans didn't make sense to me. I just can't. I can't bet either one of these teams. And this Panthers team, I think, is done. I think they've quit. I think they're going to gut gut the coaching staff. It wouldn't surprise me at the end of the year. A couple more games to get into. Cardinals Cowboys is next. So the Cowboys are now a six point favorite at home. Cardinals are uh, on the road. I mean, the Cowboys they just destroyed Washington. They got up twenty one nothing in the first quarter. It was forty two to seven at half. They scored five touchdowns. Or they scored touchdowns on five consecutive possessions in the first half with a pick six in the middle there. Um, Dallas is 11 and 4, 12 and 3 against the spread. Arizona 10 and 5, 9 and 6 against the spread. Wow, the Cardinals, that was a bad game for them. I mean, they played an Indianapolis Colts team where they were missing four of their five starting offensive linemen by the second quarter. The Cardinals missed two field goals and an extra point. Colt McCoy was holding for the first time in his career. He screwed up the hold on the 51-yard field goal try and possibly even the next miss kick. They had a turnover on downs at the Indy 33. They had a turnover on downs on their own 43. There was a bad snap that gave the Colts a safety, and then immediately following the safety, the Colts went 45 yards and kicked a field goal, so the Colts basically got five points out of that botched snap. Kyler had a bad passing grade. Three of his five worst weekly passing grades have come since week 13. And all of their offense was dump offs to Chase Edmonds and Zach Ertz. They have nothing down the field without Hopkins. Nothing. The bulk of Arizona rushing came from Kyler Murray. And I, I mean, they're like, this is a good spot again to want to back them because they're undervalued and Dallas is really overvalued. I'd need this to get to seven, though, for me to jump in. So I'm going to wait. Um, where do you stand on this game? I'm going to be involved in the cards. It's just a matter. Of I mean, time. I'm I I'm going to be for sure too. Yeah. I'm going to wait because I do think it might get there. Right? Does it, you think yeah. it'll get to seven? I think it's going to creep up to seven. Um, yeah. You know, the cards. We're missing Connor. Connor's the guy that delivers the gut punches. He's the guy that, that gets the gritty yards. And like him not being there, um, that really hurt the offense. Also, who does Murray trust? Um, Anytime he needed to make a throw last year, he was able to look at D-Hop's way. I just, yeah, that was just an awful game plan by Cliff. But, you know, Cliff is 17-7 and seven against the spread. As an underdog, he's perfect against the spread as an underdog this season. Um, and this is the Cowboys are just, this is the highest they've been. I mean, they're in a primetime standalone and, game. And, and they didn't look very weekend. good before last week. Before last week, they had some problems. I don't know if that one game fixes them all. Right. Yeah. I'm, so I this is this is a hammer spot for the cards. You just bet it just because on principle. This this game opened up at three. Um, I mean it drifted all the way up to five and a half and six. It's all the way up to six and it opened up at two and a half. You know, so and value you gotta play the cards. If you don't play the cards, you just you just wait. Let's get to the Lions, Seahawks, Lions two twelve and one uh straight up, but ten and five against the spread. The Seahawks five and ten straight up, seven and eight ATS. Seahawks scored a touchdown to go up 24-14 with three minutes left to go in the third and lost. Russ, just again, not great. Two turnover-worthy plays, 61.5 adjusted completion percentage, his second lowest on the year. Penny ran the ball well again, um, 135 yards, seven missed tackles. The Lions actually had an opportunity late with Boyle to win the game, but he threw a pick in... I don't know if I have like the strongest opinion in the world in this game. Obviously, for both of these two teams, they don't have a whole lot that they're playing for. But 
at over a touchdown, I would lean Lions. Did you get involved in this game on your Lions? Well, you being a Rams fan can vouch more than anyone. Jared Goff struggles in the cold, struggles in weather, and it's supposed to be cold with weather in Seattle. Brutal in the so, brutal. I mean, stay away from that thing. Yeah, stay away. Stay away. And then yeah. also, there's a high probability that a this could either be Carroll's last game coaching this team or Russ's last game there. I mean, there's a lot of little emotional aspects right there. Um, you know, this is and Seattle Seattle's officially done done now. So God only knows, like, um, motivation-wise, what they're going to show. Are they going to shut Russ down? Or or they could play him because it could be his last game because they look to move him. This is just way too much on both sides of the ball. This is just a pure, absolute stay-away game for me. Two games to get to, Sunday night and Monday night. Sunday night game, Vikings, Packers. Vikings 7-8 and eight straight up, 8-7 and seven ATS. Packers 12-3 and three straight up, 11-4 and four ATS. I think I told you last week... Some of the so for the next couple weeks, and it's not that I don't think they're good or anything, but I mean the Packers last week, there is no way they should have beat the Browns, none whatsoever. They they got gifted that game. Um, they gave up 219 yards rushing, 8.8 yards per carry. They have the number 31 rushing defensive DVOA. Now the Packers have the 21st overall defensive DVOA. They gave up 408 total yards to the Browns. With Baker not having practiced or played in a while and throwing four interceptions in that game. Two of them, honestly, three of them shouldn't even have been interceptions. I'm not saying they weren't Baker's fault. They were bad throws. But the circumstances that happened, they shouldn't have even been interceptions. And we'll get into that in a second. On the Vikings side, their second possession, they move the ball 84 yards, third and goal in... They throw an interception that cost them at the very least third three points. It's ten to nothing, and the Rams throw an interception. The Vikings get the ball at the Rams' eleven yard line. Minnesota can only gain seven yards on three plays. They have to kick a field goal. They got three interceptions for the Rams, and were only able to turn those into ten points. Now Thielen's out for the year. They were just two of twelve on third down. To me, I think the matchup though is still run. They want to run the ball. Green Bay was bad against the run. And I think they're a little bit overinflated coming off their last win. I'm on the Vikings side here at anything over the seven. I am on the Vikings too. Um, a, did you catch it when Baker threw that pick at the end of the game? And I'm space. I think his Douglas picked it off. Um, he ran. He fell down. No one touched him. Got up immediately. Then ran all the way back to the Packers end zone. Shouldn't that have been a safety? I guess I didn't even catch it. Yeah, I guess you, I did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, no, it should have been. You're right. I, like, I didn't even. Yeah. He he just kind of fell. Wasn't touched. He didn't really give himself up, you know. And I'm just kind of like, I'm watching it, and my dad's like, he wasn't touched. I go, I know. Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? It was just kind of one of those little things. And like by rule, I guess it should have been a safety. Um, yeah, Packers can't stop the run at all. Dalvin Cook's coming back. You have to really think with Thielen being put on the IR, they're really going to lean on. Delvin Cook looked to pound the ball, um, and this is the Vikings playing for their season. Uh, as my, I always talk about regression with everything, turnover regression, touchdown regression, and everything. Packers covering the spread regression has to come. I mean, it eventually has to start turning the other way. They can't constantly start, continue to cover these games. And you hit in the head, they should have lost that game. I have no idea what Skafanski was doing not pounding the ball with Nick Chubb that last game. Chubb was averaging over seven yards a carry, and he had like 17 carries, 15 carries, I think. So, yeah, I just don't 
I don't know. This to me, this is a Viking spot, Vikings money line. Just hit it, move on, and just go with it. Because the Packers are always going to be overvalued. And I think they're overvalued here. Are you going to join us on Monday on Fourth and Inches? Monday, do you go back to work? Are you back working normally? Monday, I am back developing champions. Okay, cool. So we will preview the Monday night football game in a in a fourth and inches. But since Eric won't be there with us, talk us a little bit about the Browns Steelers Monday night game. To me, this is an absolute hammer spot for the Steelers. A Big Ben just announced that this is basically his last game playing at Heinz Field. So there's going to be an absolute huge emotional thing going in for this team. When you have your quarterback that's been there for how long that's the, that's brought a Super Bowl home. You know what I mean? Like huge. This is going to be a huge emotional spot for them. B, I'm not a Skavansky guy. Skavansky, stat of the day, one and nine ATS against AFC North teams. And then you look on the flip side of that, you look at Tomlin. I always say all these Tomlin stats. Um, what is he, 12 and 2 at home against the spread, 35, 15 and 1 against the spread at home as a dog. This guy's just a covering machine when he's a dog. You're getting them coming off a game where I said they're going to come up flat last week against the Chiefs. Um, I just think it's a great matchup, especially a, a great emotional matchup for the uh for the Steelers just because of Big Ben leaving. So I love Pittsburgh here, and I'm parlaying Pittsburgh's money line and the Ravens money line. It's almost six to one. ROI. So I'm gonna parlay that. And um, my normal bet size is I put three units on the spread, one unit on the money line. I'm so confident in this one. I put two units on the money line. So three units on the plus three and a half and two units on the spread here for me, for the Steelers. Folks, uh, just finishing this up right now, and uh, we are getting ready to get out of here. But as I said, I'm going to give you all of my thoughts on this game, fourth and inches. On Monday, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to uh, give Eric a, a follow at etoff21 on Twitter. Today, I had a leak, and so I'm a little bit backed up with my schedule right now. So uh, I'm just finishing this up here. Give Eric a follow on there. And uh, thank you so much, buddy. They know that each and every week they're going to find you right here on That's What G Said. Sounds good, man. Talk to you next week and talk to you Sunday, dude. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on That's What G Said. So you want to set the mood, you're looking for something all natural, soy wax, non-toxic baby, scents for every season, now don't be afraid baby, just spell it out. C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off, mmm, mmm. C-E-R-A candles.com All natural soy wax candles Free from toxins Free from carcinogens Free from pollutants They give you a stronger scent And they're healthier for you Use that promo code G-I-N-O It'll save you 10% off your purchase We finish things up with wrestling With Chad Cooper We get into all the news happening in the world of wrestling And then we preview the cards for WWE Day 1 Which is on Saturday Pay-per-view coming up this weekend on uh, New Year's Day then NXT New Year's Evil, which is next week on Tuesday. We also discuss everything that went down on Wednesday at WW or at AEW Dynamite and talk about everything happening in the world of AEW. This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. 
All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper And we are going to bounce around this week What we're going to do just a little differently than recapping all of the, the shows we'll, we'll do that again uh, next week But we have a couple big paper, uh, pay-per-view and TV shows uh, coming up for WWE, NXT, and AEW As they make the move over to TBS So what we can do is we can kind of work backwards We can preview those shows As we talk about each of the matches and the storylines We can talk about what's been happening over the last week or so But Coop, there is a little news to get into right away uh, The biggest news uh, we discuss On Thursday morning as we record this Tony Storm Who was a... Major player on the the WWE women's roster very recently She had been in NXT UK, she was in NXT for a while She just got pulled up to the main roster earlier this year For a while she was floundering, they didn't really We'd see her on TV and then we wouldn't see her again for another month But she's been in the biggest, most high profile storyline that she's ever had In her career, she's traveled the world and been in big matches But wrestling Charlotte Flair on national TV on Christmas Eve, that's a big deal, and that's where she was last week. And then she apparently asked for her release. She is gone from WWE now. I don't even know what to say. This was a shock. Uh, you know, eventually truth will can't come out. You know, now you know. I'm reading reports that uh, you know that she's like. Not only gone, but she's out of the country. She went back home to the UK. I don't know if that's true. Uh, it's just shocking, you know. She's a star. She was someone that uh, that uh, in NXT just had a massive personality, um, easy likable, had the look, was good in the ring, and yeah, she's wrestled all over the world. New Japan. She's been in all these big matches. She's wrestled. Uh, she she's wrestled every. Every end, every star you can imagine, but as you said, Christmas Eve on Fox against Charlotte Flair in a pretty good match um, that opened the show that got 15 minutes right, and then all of a sudden she's gone. And hey, this isn't a budget cut thing, or we would have seen other names been dropped over the last 24 hours. This is very surprising and disheartening because I was a really big fan of her. Hopefully, Heck, are all right. you and I have you tried know? to push her oh, all, in our fan. own booking for a long time, right? I mean, we yeah. were. She yeah, was. I, I, she was yeah, one. She if I was fans. creating a women's division and I was a booker, she would be on my list of three women I'd want to start a division Absolutely, with. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Um, you know, she does have a significant other. She was uh, she was uh, in a relationship with Juice, Ro- uh, with Juice Robinson, who's, you know, in Impact and New Japan. Uh, I did see some photos over the last couple of weeks of her, you know, at uh, some holiday parties with other workers, you know, because everybody hangs with each other. Uh, but asking for your release uh, from the WWE after this, uh, just hope all is well, but this is major, major shock, uh, major shock in the world of professional wrestling. And um, as is happening all across the world, the COVID spikes and the Omicron are running through pro wrestling right now. 
Uh, oh, again, yeah. you're not yeah. doctors. We don't know. But everything that it seems like for, from this strain, it's much more contagious. But we know more about it in that it seems like it's not quite as deadly. And it seems like it kind of gets in and out of people quicker. It's not something that lingers quite as much. You just sort of seem to know that within a few days you have it. And then, you know, when it's gone, kind of it's gone. Um, but but there's some weird stuff happening because. As the, this is going on in WWE on Monday Night Raw, Biggie wasn't there, Seth Rollins wasn't there, Lashley wasn't there. Apparently, Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, and like almost all of the producers <laughs> yeah. weren't there. Yet they decided to po- put out a statement, or I guess they didn't put out a statement. It was the statement was found out that they've they're not going to um, require the wrestlers to test anymore. For COVID, it just all kind of seems weird that they would, if they want to do whatever they want to do, that's fine. It seemed a weird timing that they would announce that the week that they're missing a ton of people <laughs> from COVID. Yeah, it, it the world has gone mad, and it seems like everyone is starting to make their own decisions. Which mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I guess it, if if you're the company, you can. You know, the CDC. You know, has been recommending all kind of things daily now from quarantines from 10 days to five. And now they're saying, you know, yesterday, well, this PCR test, uh, you could be positive up to 12 weeks, you know, after your quarantine. So I don't know. This is going to be an interesting Saturday, Gino. Yes. uh, With this day one pay-per-view, because as of right now, the card is intact. I have a feeling the card will not be intact. No. Um. And, and okay, so this is this is a topic that I'm I'm glad that is worth is worth discussing here. So AEW and WWE do things a little differently with with real world problems, real world issues. Right, right. Now, and I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Let me no, say that. No, me first. neither. Me neither. Because whatever you decide to do, that's what you decide to do. And because you got to think about where these two companies are coming from, right? Now, I watch a lot of TV shows. And movies. I don't know what's going on with the actors behind the scenes on those movies that I'm watching. I don't know if some of those actors got COVID and stuff got moved around and scenes got changed or edited. I was just watching Hawkeye, a series that, you know, it looked like there might have been some things that got edited or cut out. But I don't know. You can just kind of. And so that's what it's hard for the WWE. They want to be. They're a publicly traded company. They've right. always wanted to be more like a TV show and like the movies. And so for them, I can understand why they don't want to come out and say, oh, hey, Seth Rollins has COVID. Sure. sure. Right. That's not like their style. That's They've never done that. But on the flip side, I can completely understand why AEW does do things like that. Because, sure. oh, hey, Dean Amber or John Moxley is going to go get um, help right now. He's, you know, he's got a drinking problem. That's something that WWE probably would never say, but AEW does. I don't think either one of them is wrong, right? I, I can see people get frustrated and people that don't like WWE, they're going to want to crap on WWE for anything they do. But you, but from just that standpoint, like you, you get where they're coming from. They understand. They to them, they are a big global company that there are way more people that they have to worry about than just the people on Twitter. Sure. Yeah, there are so sure. many other things that they're worrying about. So this is tricky because they, you know, do they come out early and say, oh, hey, 
These matches are off but they don't want to do that And now that the protocols have changed and stuff And people may only have to be away for five days They might be able to still get these matches on But is it worth In this pandemic era Is it worth chancing it With everything going on Yeah it's kind of like what the NFL Is you know trying to do or, Or what they've done as well too Now they've got you know, the NFL and the players union have agreed to, well, if, you know, if you're unvaccinated, you don't need this test or this type of test. I'm with you. I don't know, because you assume if Seth Rollins is out, that Becky Lynch is out. Right. And Becky wasn't on the show. Um, I, I, I just and those who were on the show Monday night, who's to say they don't get sick between now and Saturday, right. you know, it's um and okay and then the biggest the biggest of all of this right Roman Reigns yeah Roman sure. Reigns is immunocompromised sure Roman Reigns has leukemia I'm I'm speaking as somebody who is in the same situation as Roman Reigns sure and that sure. and that's why like you know most people some people have probably seen you know me through the last two years of this pandemic I've been pretty firm one way in, in, of of just. Hey, like I'm gonna be very cautious about this because I I can't chance it. Sure. Like I'm the I have a bad I have a a less than 100% immune system. I'm the type of person that if if I caught COVID, I would be one of the most likely people to die from it. So I understand other people don't have that situation, but it it is to me. I I see some people around and I think wow that that's kind of selfish because like. If you got a grandma or a mom or a dad that's that way, you don't want to go see them or you don't want to you, you like you're just kind of like because that's sort of, sort of where we are with Roman. Remember, Roman was gone for like six months in the when the pandemic started because of this reason. He yeah. didn't want he couldn't put himself in a situation where he could be more likely to catch something. And if this gets bad, you wonder for him. Is that the same time? Is he going to have to make that kind of a decision again? I mean, that's a big deal for the face of your company right now. And now you have just said, oh, we're not going to do everyday testing. I, I'm just curious. I wonder what he thinks about that. And like, I wonder how he, it, it's it's just weird. Like, we don't know. We don't know what's going on, what's thinking. It's yeah. just, this is the world that we're living in right now, Coop. It's just constantly changing. Yeah, it's evolved. And, you know, he's been working house shows because uh, I, I, I've been seeing videos uh, of him working house shows in six man tag matches. And you just don't know. It, it may be something if he's isolated and whoever's working with him has to be tested every day. I, I, I don't yeah, know. It's, it, 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 it's very it's very interesting that they will come out and say that because they have been a company that has been doing that. They haven't publicly come out and said that and other companies haven't right and they have been a company that has been pushing uh you to get vaccinated all the psas on monday night raw uh friday night smackdown of the superstars whether they're vaccinated or not i don't know but they're telling you in these psas you need to get vaccinated um other companies don't do that i'm not even talking about aew or impact i'm talking about just other businesses don't do that it's just uh you know, it seems like we're going into year three of a pandemic, um, but we're not. It, we're, we're, we're basically going into year two. But, um, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, unfortunately, the show must go on. And you have a pretty big card on Saturday in Atlanta, Georgia, 
and uh, something that hasn't been done on New Year's Day, and I don't know how long uh, in professional wrestling, especially of the major companies, which would be WWE, you know, WCW, uh, going back that far. And you have a pretty big card. As of right now, there's seven matches, only one that I don't give a crap about, but it's still a big card with big yeah. names on it. And you're going to have an arena full of fans because it's going to be packed. So I, I don't crazy. know. You know, I, I just don't know. It, it's uh, every day, every hour, it, it changes. I, and I just don't know, man. I just don't know. And that's what drives human beings crazy is the unknown, right? That's what it's driven us nuts. I mean, Christmas, we want to know what we get for Christmas. We want to know that it's the unknown. We're watching a movie. We kind of know what's probably going to happen. We want to skip ahead, get the spoilers. The yeah. yeah. We, but we want to watch the movie to see what happens. And this is what has driven mankind crazy from day one has been the unknown. And it's just, uh, if you're a professional wrestling fan, you spend a lot of your time, uh, life, and energy and investment and watching this stuff, and then you you kind of have a connection with these people, and it's just like, at the end of the day, you and I, we have no ties to Tony Storm, but we like Tony Storm. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just, it's hard to put in words what goes on daily, not only here, but worldwide, um, but with wrestling, something that continued between them and the UFC that continued through this pandemic is how they've done it without uh, a, without a catastrophe, meaning death or someone getting it, severely it's, ill. It's mind boggling that, 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 is, that I, is, I agree with you. It's, it's like it's, winning the lottery a couple of times. Honestly, it is, it and has you're been. playing with fire a little bit, right? Like what, however you feel about things, it's just a, uh, like, if if the first person in the NFL or the NBA or one person gets sick and dies, that's going to be too many, and that and yeah, that's going to yeah, be yeah, we'd be in trouble. Sure, that's that's where like we've been lucky that we haven't had that right. in any of the major, and and we don't know like we've had a lot of players that have had complications moving sure. forward from, sure. and they they've had to you know breathing problems or this or that. It's just um. Yeah, we'll see. We'll knock on wood, and just a few days out, they have not announced any changes to this card. We're going to run through the card. This is on Saturday. Keep in mind that this uh, this year, WWE are going to have the Saturday pay-per-views a lot of the time, and we have a pre-show match listed. Cesaro, Ricochet versus Ridge Holland and Sheamus. You know what? I've at least liked that recently we've been getting more Ricochet on our TV. At, like if If you don't have a plan for him, at least get him out there every week. And Ricochet is one of those guys who I think he he tweeted one day I'm gonna win the Royal the other day, like I'm gonna win the Royal Rumble. I'm gonna I'm gonna main event wrestling. Like he still wants to be that guy. So I think there's gonna be a time and a place or the people who get behind Ricochet at the right moment. It's not now, but this is a lot better than him in catering. And like he was out, he was on the show, <laughs> he was a part of the, the gauntlet match. He, you know, he he actually got a pin over Sheamus in the gauntlet match because Cesaro came to help him out and he made it to the end and then he ends up losing to Sammy. But this, like, I at least like him in the mix now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't want to see him getting tossed around the locker room by, by Drew McIntyre. 
Um, no, yeah, no. he had a good run in the uh, the 12 Days of Christmas gauntlet match. Uh, like you said, he pinned Sheamus. Um, I think he was in there 13, 14 minutes. Jinder, too. He pinned Jinder, too, I think. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, and him and Zan- uh, Sammy uh, finished the match off. Uh, I'm pro Ricochet. Always have been. Loved his work uh, in Lucha Underground. Um, that's a guy, regardless in any match situation he needs to be involved in and there and there are people that that are going to support him and watch his matches such a pre-show match uh ridge and sheamus have been doing the buddy i mean they should win they should be the chief the heels that win rick ricochet and cesaro don't necessarily need the win but this is actually be a pretty good like if it's a pre-show match and they let these guys go like 10 or 15 minutes they'll they'll work their asses off here as uh we continue along through the Day one card, so we've got Oh, get ready for this, Drew McIntyre Versus <laughs> Matt Cap Moss He's just this, gonna Squash the absolute hell out yes, of him Right? Yeah, this this has gotta be Less than a minute type deal Um, I, I just don't Get this gimmick Um, this should, should be a pay-per-view match This is like a TV no, match, you know No, this is not even a pre-show type gimmick match This is Poor Drew, there's got to be something for him on the other side of this. I just, I don't know what, you know, when you when you look at his road to WrestleMania, it's not looking very good right now. No. Um, I, you know, he's probably, does he win the Royal Rumble? Well, he's on Raw. That would put him and Big E, if Big E's still your champion. I'm not sold on Big E making it to WrestleMania as a champion, but, man, Madcap Moss, I mean, you're not even getting... I, I don't know. This this that's the one that I'm not looking forward to. No, this is the match that's squash. No, yeah, let's just have him, you know, squash and get the hell out of there. Other than that, <laughs> the rest of the card looks pretty good on paper. Yeah, um solid. we've got RK Bro defending the tag team titles against the Street Profits. And oh man, at the end of uh of or when and Raw when uh they both had their kind of individual singles matches against Gable and Otis, and then when Ray, uh, when when Riddle's trying to get a hug, and, and Randy gives him the hug, and then he fakes him like he's gonna do the RKO, <laughs> and then Riddle makes the face like, oh no! And then Randy just kind of smiles and gives him another hug. I I popped on that. That made me laugh so hard. That was fantastic. And you know what? The Street Profits and Dominic and Ray Mysterio in the uh, the finals of the RK Bro tournament that was a fantastic tag match. A great match they had a that really, was really good. good match i think people forget how good montez is man he can go he is. and yeah. angelo is is solid like he's a good he tag team he worker is. he's he's fine for he's perfect for the role and together they they have a good chemistry and this will be a lot of fun i think uh both of the tag matches on the show and then the other one we're going to get the usos versus the new day I mean, we know these guys have gone at it so many times, but they're, it's usually fresh. They're always kind of tweaked their gimmicks a little bit. And now, again, I mean, both of these tag matches have the right to go 15 minutes or so and be really, really good. I don't see RK Bro giving up those titles. Um, would you be surprised if New Day went no, over? No, not at all. Match? This would yeah. be absolutely not. This would be uh, even the right time with King. With King Woods, you know, yeah, I don't think yeah. they want King Woods to be a singles main champ, but you can have part of the the King gimmick with them. And even if they're the tag team champs and they do the King thing, I don't know if they ever want to split them up or turn them, but you could see that leading to him and Kofi splitting up 
if sure. he's like trying to do the king thing as their tag champs and Kofi's like, sure. dude, we're a team, you know? And it would it would make for one hell of a mania match too. If, those guys, if, right? A singles those match? Those two guys in a singles. The, a 20 minute match in mania from 100,000 people. I, that would I, be I would, a blast. I'd and it would give them that. both something that singles wise they wouldn't get. Fresh I don't think I, one of them yes. would get a singles match with somebody else, right? No. At this time, a six man or a gimmick battle royal type, right? Deal, but usually, with each right? other, they could have a fun mid card singles match, and then like and nothing, we, we, and, and nothing with the Usos. And look, we, we, we we're getting to it, but with the Paul Heyman work on SmackDown this past week, right? Over the last couple of weeks, uh, excuse me, last year, this has just been fantastic. But over the last couple of weeks, with Heyman getting fired, and then this last week. You know, he, he thinks his career is over. I, I'm not saying Roman losing the title. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. I doubt it. But I wouldn't mind seeing the Usos lose their title to make this story even more interesting with the head of the table and the family. I, I You know, and, and it would give the New Day, it would give them some more meaning Completely too. Completely agree. Bit. This is something to get Roman pissed off at them. This is something to add layers to this. Then you get them. Especially if it's early in the card. Yeah. And we go to them and they're backstage. And he said, man, I I'm main eventing with, with Brock Lesnar and you guys do this. And then they get involved in the main somehow. I I would, I'd like to see a change here. I don't want to see RK bro. I want them to see what the titles, because I think they're hot again. They did. They got back. They flipped the switch on them again. They did. They flipped the switch. They've been, you know, two of the bright stars of Raw. But I would like to see a title change here on SmackDown with the tag team titles. We get to Edge versus The Miz. Sure. I think they've built this thing up for about a month now. Out of the four weeks, I'd say three of the weeks were really good. And one of the weeks, it was just like, and the the one a couple weeks ago with with Miz, with the movies. Maurice, Maurice on that cutting yeah. edge thing. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. that great. But this week was good again. He brought Bischoff out. You do the va- <laughs> renewing the vows. Everybody knows Edge is going to show up at some point. But it was just a, a good segment. Actually, the ratings held really well, too. People hung around yeah, to, watch, to watch this. And uh, the, the I don't know why they do the black stuff instead of the blood. It's like they don't want to show blood yeah, on TV or yeah, something. And we got, so and we funny. Got the brood music, too. The and brood, I popped. I love the brood music. I would have loved to see Gangrel just come out and destroy too. That would have been the ultimate. I know that's a little too much, but the music was phenomenal. The black was, uh, okay, come on. Come on, guys. Red, you could have just said red paint, but I know. Just put I, red I paint this, in there or something. But the brood music is an all timer, man. That is a pop. They, were, they music. were one of my favorite groups. The, the brood was one of, you know, at house shows, they'd really get into that, that gimmick, but. I, I think you and I have been pretty spot on with this storyline with holding Beth Phoenix back in hell. Hey, they may not bring her in at all, but I think keeping her away from out of this, I think Miz gets the cheap win at this pay-per-view with the help of Maurice. And maybe, I, I don't know if you can hold it off to Mania because, you know, Edge, you know, is still a guy that's that's super big, but a mixed tag would be pretty cool with Beth Phoenix, uh, the two couples going at it. I, I would really enjoy that. Yeah, I think that's got where we got to be headed. Beth's got to show up on this show to help, and then it leads or to the following night on Raw or Raw, and Rumble. it and it yeah. leads to Rumble. You know, yeah. and then we do it at the Rumble, and that would be great. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. That. Yes, 
yeah, it'd be a lot of fun there. As uh, let's see, we continue along. We've got Becky Lynch versus Liv Morgan. Big moment for Liv. You know, she's done fine. I thought the thing a few weeks ago was kind of goofy where they had her go, you know, to show up at the the performance center. And, you know, <laughs> the girl is like obviously the not Becky girl. Lynch. I know it's like, but, but uh, I mean, that was a little goofy. Other, nonetheless, the, the moments that she's been talking, I don't think she's seemed out of place. She hasn't seemed lost. She doesn't seem like she doesn't belong. She just seems like a young Still a little bit green in some spots But you know what she like I don't have Too many knocks on what Liv Has been doing with her work Leading into this and she's been Good in the ring I don't think it's the moment For her to beat Becky I don't think She's going to win this match or anything but She does feel like She has elevated herself a lot In the last two months or so And I'll tell you this she's You know of course she's got a massive following On social media She's done a pretty good job uh, I shouldn't say pretty good. She's done a really good job, especially on Twitter, uh, interacting with fans. Uh, just, you know, this is my time. This is what I've dreamed for my, my entire life. She's done a very good job with the storyline. It, it was a lot better than Charlotte and Tony Storm. Um, I, you know, it's more believable. Uh, I think Becky is such a star. It's been kind of hard to get behind Liv as the underdog because even though Becky has played the heel, She's so over, but again, I think uh, they deserve a pretty long match here, and uh, I, I think the, the story will be over after this, and uh, what is next for Becky or Liv, I don't know, but it's been very good to watch. Liv has grown, and it's been, uh, she's ele- like you said, she's elevated herself, and she belongs in this company, and she belongs on, on, on TV every week, uh, and she's gotten a lot better in the ring. To title matches Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar Singles match for the Universal Championship We I mean we saw Brock lay out Roman the last we saw Then Paul Heyman You know came out and he cut that really good Promo and you know he said I'm just trying to protect Roman I really love him and I care about him And so I mean everything that Roman has done Has been fantastic For such a long time now Heyman's been great and this version of Brock has been very fun. This kind of baby facey Brock. Um, and as a fan, I genuinely am a little bit, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm a little bit unsure of what's going to happen, which I like. I, I don't think Roman will just lose clean. Let's say that. I pro- I don't think that's probably what happens. I don't think Roman just gets beat one, two, three clean. I wouldn't even be shocked if he loses the match though. In some way with Heyman if he shows up and they do some kind of return. There's a lot of things happening here, Coop, and I'm I'm very interested. Yeah, because it's fluid, right? I, as we mentioned before, and as we're talking, I always enjoy the betting lines for, for WWE, right? Because a lot of times they're really right, and a lot of times they're really long. Uh, they're really wrong. And looking at Lesnar... And Roman Reigns and Roman to be an only minus 250 favorite kind of shows you right there that there's a possibility this could flip on Saturday. I, I, this is the one match I have no clue. I, 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 you know, Uso's get involved. I don't know. Do we have a DQ? Does Paul Heyman, does, you know, 
I don't think someone is losing clean. Uh, I would be shocked, but if Roman's keeping the title, I would think this this would be like a Becky Lynch line, minus 400, minus 500. I think they may be still up in the air here. You, know, you remember, you know, Brock is on the poster of the Royal Rumble, but with everything being so fluid, you never know what's going to happen. We don't, we don't know if these matches are even going to happen. But I would not be surprised if Brock Lesnar won this title Saturday night. I agree. Would not shock me at all. Uh, and then the final match, I mean, we don't know if this is going to be a four-way, a three-way. At least they sort of have um, – they, they've got some uh, you know, some uh, some fallout built in with the four-way. Big E, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Bobby Lashley. It felt like they were, they were really heating Lashley up. It really did. Um, I don't know now, but – I think if they like Big E and they want him to chase the title going into Mania, that wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't be shocked if that's if they want to try to heat Big E back up to to go after the title versus have him be the guy holding the title at Mania. I could see that happening. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure though. I really don't have any idea of the four guys in this match. He kind of feels the coolest at the moment, to be fair. Like Kevin Owens, they needed Kevin Owens on Monday. Yeah. He did a great job. He was like oh, filling was in. Fun, he was, was just doing everything he could. He was playing babyface in some spots. He was playing <laughs> heel in others. Like he was just whatever you know he what? needed. And what I thought was pretty interesting was when when he defeated Cedric Alexander, uh, and then he gave the stunner to Shelton Benjamin. Someone made it a point on Twitter that the match finished at three minutes and 16 seconds. So Austin, that is awesome. So the guy got a stunner. So I don't know. That was pretty cool. Um, this is again, if, if you look, if you think Biggie is your guy, Biggie is your guy. Uh, the flavor of the, of the moment has been Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. I think they've been a, done a phenomenal job, but hell, I said it last week. In the week before, and the week before, I think the guy they've made the strongest out of all of this has been Bobby Lashley. And now he wasn't there, so I don't know if he's out. Uh, I, I don't know if any titles change hands. I, and they may not. I don't know. But I, I like that that's what is so intriguing mm-hmm. about this card on Saturday. Let's knock on wood and hope we get these matches. If they're not, I, I'm sure they're going to be good matches. KO has been definitely an MVP in a lot of this. Um, but if Big E's your guy, you know, we, we, we got to start building some stuff to WrestleMania. And if you look on that Raw roster, um, it's good to see AJ Styles um, going solo. Uh, he's going to do some work with Grayson Waller. We'll get into to that here shortly. But, I mean, who – if if Biggie walks out of the day one with the title, where do we go from here? Are we a Drew McIntyre? Are we got two kind of baby faces? You know, what What do we do? So they're in a dilemma here. On SmackDown, not as much. But on Raw with the title, they're kind of in a dilemma here because there's really not a lot, especially with the New Day being on SmackDown. I don't know. I just yeah. I don't know here. I agree. I agree. Um, that is your card for... The show coming up this weekend Day one on Saturday So seven matches on the main card And then the pre-show match Cesaro, uh, Ricochet and versus uh, Ridge and Sheamus And who knows if any of these matches Are going to have to be changed With all of the COVID stuff happening But we will recap the show for you Next week 
There's another one that will be coming up next week that on paper looks really, really good, Koopa Loop. And I'm talking about NXT New Year's Evil. There are five matches, I believe, carded. So you were just talking about AJ. We can talk about him. I don't know why they haven't done this more through the years. I love what I was telling buddies. I love when guys and gals go down and back and forth and up and down to NXT. And I think now we actually will see more of it because it's not being treated like that third completely separate brand like it was before. NXT before was something that Vince looked at and was like, oh, this isn't something that I do. This is Triple H's thing. This is like an indie thing. We'll let them have their fun, but I'll kind of stick out of it. Now they decided to change. And if you don't like the the new NXT product, I can understand that. If you if it was not the, the reason why you got into NXT and you prefer indie stuff or how AEW does some of the stuff and that kind of scratches that itch for you, totally get it. But now in Vince's world, at least these are guys and gals in NXT that he sees on the main roster in the future. He sees a future in them. So the fact that they can go up and down like this, I think we'll see this. Grayson Waller, he it, he feels like a massive deal right now. Out Dude, of like, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I was hating that character. Me too. I, I just eight weeks ago, I, a month ago, just couldn't connect with it. And then he shows up on Raw, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting this now. And then AJ appears on NXT again. This is what they've been. What what the, you know? Look, they've they've had a pretty stacked. NXT roster over the last several years, right? We 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 both can agree there's been some massive stars. Um, but now since they've rebranded, this is probably pretty freaking smart. And next Tuesday feels like one of these takeover pay-per-views, and AJ Grayson could be the show stealer. This it could this, be that's gonna be a fantastic match, man. AJ Styles likely gonna show up. I mean, he will show up and we're gonna get a Grayson Waller AJ Styles match you on think so. Tuesday night on New Year's Evil. That's one of the five matches listed on the card. Um and Grayson can go in the ring. He's yeah, annoying he as hell. You wanna see him <laughs> get his his face punched in. And this would be really good for AJ moving forward for his like babyface yes. singles run. Did like, you see how hot he was on Raw? And what oh man! On Raw, they announced he was supposed to uh, go one on one with the Commander Aziz. Then we come back from commercial break, and Apollo says, "No, no, no! I've got to change things up." But you see how hot this guy is without Omos. I, I mean, you I'm could sorry. instantly he could win the Royal Rumble. And, and everybody and everybody would want to see him win the title at Mania immediately against and whoever he was zero facing. Complaints about it. And you zero could put him in. About it. You could put him in with Big E. I would. I would love to see. I don't know which one of them, but I'm like, I want to see AJ or KO versus Edge at Mania. Sure. One of I'm them. Okay with that. that would yeah. be great. For yeah. for them, you know, like you could do the baby face, baby face thing with AJ, like out of the respect thing or whatever you want to do. But there's a lot of fun matches that lie ahead for AJ Styles right now. And Grayson Waller in NXT is one of them. Shout out to one Grayson. Yeah. He's done some really good work and uh, he's flipped all, a lot of these NXT guys. I think that war games match did a lot for them. Too. It did. It did. It, it uh, did look, what we, they we, wanted. 
you and I both said that this that that NXT War Games was going to not make or break, but it was going to set the tone for the next several months for this company. If it would have been a crappy show, which there have been some crappy NXTs, but I thought this past NXT was very good. The ratings were higher, um, and it did. It raised the bar, and Grayson Waller and Cora Jade, these were stars who were born not necessarily, not literally, but they were made to show they could be stars in NXT and on main rosters just from that pay-per-view. And I think that's what you've got here. And Grayson Waller, hey, I, I it just, it, it, it's hard for me to connect with, with British accents. I, you know, it, it took me a while to like Wade Barrett. Then he became one of my favorite, you know, uh, WWE superstars. And Grayson Waller, man, I've jumped on his bandwagon. I like this kid. He's he's got the it, you know. You can see quickly why you can see like him like and Carmelo. Guy. Yeah, and he's you like know? a Miz guy. Yeah, he's he is. Like him ball. and Carmelo, there are like you can see the things that they saw in them immediately. Sure. You're 100%. like, oh, yep, we got like you can see why. And we got one here. Yeah. This is this is the type of person who's worth investing your time into. Sure. Your TV time. Because look at how much he seems to improve every time he's on TV. I want to see this guy get his face punched in <laughs> his style. This is exactly what he's supposed to be doing here. Um, uh, not on the show, but what did you think about uh, Tiffany Stratton? Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm 50-50 here. I'm going to give it a chance. Um, this does seem, uh, this gimmick, this daddy's girl rich girl spoiled brat gimmick does seem a little old school for me, mm-hmm. which is fine because I I'm an old school guy. Uh, I don't think it was the best of opening matches um, with, uh, you know, uh, Fallon Henley, which is uh, Tesha price who was been on the indie scene. She was an AEW for, uh, she was the AEW enhancement talent for a while. Who's a pretty good worker in the ring, but still young. I didn't think it was the best, but you know what? Um, you know, I, I'm drawing. She's, a she's point got here. like she's another one. She's got something, but she's still really green. Like the who match. Was, who, who was the gal? Uh, God, and she's one of my favorites. She was NXT. She was the blonde. She just had a baby, and they kept she kept interrupting people's matches. Lacey, Lacey Evans. Yeah. Okay, it took I me a while. I agree with you. Yes. It, it took me a while to get into that, and I started did. So that's why I'm going to give this a chance. Um, it, it it does seem 90s uh, attitude era, but you know what? This is NXT 2.0 is the right uh, is the right way to get this. She's not a five star wrestler yet, but there is some potential there. And uh, we'll see, man. I'm going to give it a chance. We'll see. Ho- hopefully too. it sticks around. She's green. She's got to figure it out. Absolutely. She still looks Absolutely. like when she's in the ring, like she's processing everything, right? She's like, she's got to really set up her spots. Yeah she, needs, and, and- yeah, she needs somebody to lead her. And it's hard to do that when you have a lot of young people that you're putting over. Because you, yeah. put you, know, you can't put Dakota Kai in that spot, right? No, no. You know, you just can't do it because this girl's got to go over. But you know what? They did it with Lacey Evans. She kept interrupting everyone. 
and uh, we, uh, we we learned to either love or hate her, and hell, she became a champion, and I'm a really big fan of her. Yeah, Stratton character has got – she's athletic. She was, like, a, uh, in the Olympics and uh, stuff, too. Olympics, man, yeah. So she she has all of the – she checks a lot of the boxes. Now sure. it's just kind of putting it all together. There's yeah, even some, like, early Alexa Bliss in there uh, that, yeah, she, sure, that she sure. kind of reminds me of, you know, when Alexa sure. was the, the baby face doing the kind of Tinkerbell gimmick. Um yes. So a couple more matches on the New Year's Evil card to get into. We've got Carmelo Hayes versus Roderick Strong. This is going to be a unification of the NXT North American Championship and the Cruiserweight. And they said the winner will be the North American champ. So it sounds like that's the title they're going to want to keep. And I'd imagine this match is really good. Carmelo's good in the ring. Roderick Strong is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Period. Like in the ring. He's that good. And... With a lot of these uh, guys on NXT, it feels like, I mean, I would like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Diamond Mine was something that came up. Uh, they're kind of like a good, like they as a package. I don't think Roddy Strong would ever be treated like a main eventer on the main roster, but I do think the you got the tag team of the Creed brothers. You got the uh, the really really good. Um, was it is it Lila? What's uh, Ivy, the, uh, I, uh, Ivy Nile? Uh, Ivy Nile. Yeah, and yeah. between I think their presentation, you've got the good mouthpiece with Bivens there. I wouldn't be shocked if Roderick loses this, and we saw this group come up to WWE. It, maybe they don't. Maybe they want him to be part of NXT a little bit more. But I mean, Carmelo feels like the guy to win. Um, to win this, I don't. I would be surprised if if Roderick was won this thing. Yeah, I'm. It's interesting here. If if you really think that they really like the Diamond Mind, Roderick Strong's the way to go. Uh, on the flip side, Carmelo has the more upside. Roderick Strong seems like the odd man out here, and I really like uh, Roderick Strong. Um, you know, all of his all of his guys are gone. You know, right? They're they're in AEW now, and uh, I'm not saying anything like that that this guy is going AEW. I have no clue about his contract. Carmelo, on the other hand, seems like uh, they're really behind him. But I trick costing him the match, or you know, I don't know if there's going to be odds for this pay per view. I doubt it, but I, I'm a betting man, and I lose most of the bets that I make, or I. Or I, I would be retired, right? Um, but I would think Carmelo probably wins this here. He's hot. He's good on the mic. But if you are going to go the way of Roderick, you know, have the Diamond Mine get involved, have Trick cost him the match, you know, something like that. You know, yeah. Carmelo's a guy that's probably going to be on the main roster in 2022. They've got yeah. outs, and this should be a very good match. It's going to be good. It's gonna These be guys good can match. go, and I either, like, either um, – Way it's not like going to be disappointing or like oh really that happens like no, either way they could match. run with it and they could yeah. do it they could do a good job with either one of these we've got the women's championship Mandy Rose versus Cora versus Raquel Gonzalez do we think Cora wins this right now is, is do they give it to her right away man I this is this is intriguing because you know we we we, we thought we were going to have this match automatically and then a NXT on Tuesday night, they kind of threw us a threw us a curveball a little bit with having a tag team match with EO and Kaylee Ray versus Cora and Raquel. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know here. It's um, 
you know, WWE is just so weird at how they do things. You, they get behind somebody and you think, 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 right? And then it doesn't happen. We were kind of sold on Braun Breaker just automatically being the champion in their first match. Uh, and then he loses clean. Um, I, I, I tell you what, uh, I, I don't know if this is the right spot. I, I just don't know. I agree. I think Mandy she needs to win in a one-on-one match against Mandy. M- me too. Um, I guess if anyone gets pinned here, right, it's a triple threat. I, I would be interesting to see Cora pin Raquel, but I don't think they would do that to Raquel because they really like her. But that would be intriguing to them too because they've already kind of planted a little small seed that Cora's this young girl that kind of pops off a little bit like, hey, you look, you've already been the champion once. And, you know, it's my turn. So, you know, it'd be intriguing. I would assume Toxic Attraction gets involved. Since they got to. That's why the there's party, a triple right? threat, right? There's yeah. a triple threat so they can get involved and yeah. and cheap win. And they sure. attack Raquel and Raquel gets pinned. And then something like that. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. You write Raquel off until she shows up at the Rumble in a few weeks, maybe if they want to do that with her. But yeah, Cora should win and she will win. I think she's got to beat her in a one on. I think it's better for her to win the match one on one and get Me the too. and Me get too. that win that way. Yeah, because you can't protect Mandy or Raquel, right? No, I, I, I it it wouldn't make sense. If, you know, even though I think it'd be cool if she pinned Raquel, I, I just I don't think they're at that point yet in the storyline for them to to be at it unless Toxic Attraction has done something to knock Raquel out. You know, or and, and you, there's just. Two women. I, it, it's an interesting spot, but I think I, I want to see Mandy Rose retain here. I think her and Toxic Attraction have done a pretty pretty damn good job with these belts. Yeah, and she was good with cutting her promos out at the pool, and uh, yeah, I, I, thought, was, I thought her presence. Know, I, I, I don't yeah. know what she said, but she was. She was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very muffled. <laughs> um, so Mandy in the uh, the title match against Cora and Raquel. The uh, the match I'm looking the most forward to is the one that they just announced the other day. Uh, honestly, six man tag: Riddle and MSK versus Imperium, Walter and uh, and Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel. And Coop, I gotta I gotta say, for a while, I really crapped a lot on Imperium, and they're Dude. still not like my favorite tag team or whatever. Eichner and Barthel. Without Walter, but for whatever reason, in the last month or so, they felt a little more important to me. They kind of felt like a little bit bigger of a deal. Their match that I've seen, the work that we've seen from them, is always going to be really, really good. I, I don't, before they kind of had that go away heat with me, they definitely don't have that anymore. And then you add Walter in the mix and you add Riddle on the other side. These. Oh, if this thing gets 20 minutes, whew, 15, 20, this thing could be awesome. I, I've I've hated Imperium from day one, and we both have said that Imperium really didn't feel important unless Walter was with them, and that was that's what had happened. Uh, a flip switch for me, I, I believe at War Games, they just, something happened with these two and became felt much more important and now um of all the matches that needs time uh you know i think aj grayson uh deserves some time i think carmelo and Roderick deserve some time 
But honestly, this match right here, if you want pops, MSK is phenomenal. We have never had one negative thing to say about them inside the ring. Their mic work has been really goofy. You know, they weren't the strongest in impact when they were over there. But in the ring, they have been special. And this match right here is going to be incredible to watch. And I can't wait. Because, look, I'm a huge Riddle fan. He came up through NXT. Now he's coming down and going to work a match. And then Walter, you bring in Walter. Uh, this, this This is good stuff here. And this goes to show you again what you and I have talked about since we've started this week in wrestling. You don't have to have weeks of silly, silly buildup to make something happen. It started with a shaman gimmick, and now Walter comes in, and boom, we've got a six-man tag that everyone's talking about. And we didn't even really tonight. love what they did with this last week. We didn't love their segment when they were no, and I a didn't, little too I goofy. Didn't, I didn't. But I did, I did think the way that they, they did the with with Riddle on, the, on like, the Skype call. You know, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then he, he cuts in on Walters. Hey, bro, hey, don't bro. talk to my bros like that. Like, I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. dude, Walter and Riddle, these guys are going to just, oh, when they get in the <laughs> ring, this there's is going to be, be awesome. some chops. Yeah, I am gonna super. Some, there's going to be some stiff chops going on there. This I'm going to pop. And we get uh, Ciampa versus Braun Breaker singles match for the NXT Championship. Is this the moment for Braun? It has to be, Got right? It. Yeah, it, it has it. to be. If he loses anyway, if there's any other finish, a DQ, he's in trouble. Uh, he becomes Lex he's Luger. In trouble. Yeah, he, he can't do it. <laughs> you know what? That 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 made me laugh. But it's not right? funny. Ninety three or a SummerSlam. He's celebrating, and the the balloons and the confetti's coming down, and he's celebrating the the DQ win. You know. <laughs> you know what? It's not funny because I'm making fun of you. It's funny because it's spot on. I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah. Look, if it's a DQ, that means we're we're going to continue this, and we don't again. But we don't Tommaso, need to. You guys have already had a singles and then had their it. interaction this, working. Yeah, this this story does not need to be told anymore. It's like the UFC. You have a couple of guys fight for the championship, right? One guy wins. The champion wins, but it's a hell of a fight, right? Then you have the rematch, and if the other, if either the champion or the challenger destroys the other one and wins in the rematch, that's it. There does not need to be a third indecisive. This look the hundred the ninety nine point nine percent sure bet here on this card from me would be Braun as your new champion. There's no other finish than that, or I'm going to say this pay per view was a failure. And I, I'm best I'm bet of the weekend. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. If you're looking for a single in the pick five, <laughs> that is the uh, NXT New Year's Evil card. That is it. The, the single Ooh. for me. And it's got to be the moment. And then once Absolutely. he wins, if you want to have another rematch on TV with him as the champ, as like Champa, Champa's, last, you know, Champa's last chance, or he tries to get it back, or Champa's going to go crazy. He needs Goldie back. That's fine. Sure. Th- that's I, I, fine. Sure. But Braun can't lose again. Probably right now, <laughs> he can't. That's can't. amazing. That you can't do it to him. You can't do it to him. We can't. All I think about when I remember Lex is that that WrestleMania in Vegas 
when they're outside, right? Did he work Yokozuna or was that Hogan? Or not Hogan? That was when he worked perfect. Because then, That's right. Or outside Hogan. Because what remember what ends up happening is after the match that he has with Perfect, he Perfect runs back and 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 Luger and Shawn Michaels are just like chilling backstage and they're like yeah! <laughs> brawl back there with like the three of them. It was really and, funny. And Jim Ross, they're all in like in the togas. Togas, oh, yeah. and it's just like. Yeah, I just man, that was a yeah, man that made my day, dude. Chalk it up for for Gino, A plus oh. there. That was fantastic. <laughs> there that we go. Great. And we great. can chalk that one up for uh, a <laughs> New Year's Evil. That's coming up next week on Tuesday. So we head on over to AEW, AEW Dynamite. This was their final episode of the year, and this is going to be the final episode on TNT. They're going to be moving over to TBS starting January the first. I, you know what? Coop, you and I are are a little harder on AEW than a lot of AEW fans are, just because we, I mean, we're hard on WWE too. We're we're hard on everyone, so that that's I think where we differ. We just kind of will critique whatever and praise whatever. I saw a lot of the really hardcore AEW fans that didn't like this show very much. It um, wasn't very good. It was. It really, it was really too, wasn't. It to, to me, it was it was too talkative. Uh, there, there were too it was many really promos. They had a couple longer, like, multi-man matches, and then they did a bunch of promos kind of, like, all in a row. It wasn't – it was just very, very weird. I wonder if they were also dealing with maybe some production, people missing, some issues like with WWE because it just seemed like things were a little bit off for them. A lot of the in-ring work was fine. We opened the the show uh, with – Great, great for Jim Ross to be back. Really great yes, stuff for JR. Yeah. Everybody was so happy to see him back. Um, so Jim had, an, I think, like 20 cancer treatments over the last couple months. So, so far, he is doing great, and he is cancer-free at the moment. So great news. JR comes back. I I rewound it at the beginning when he said, when he sat down, and he was like, let's get right into it. I swear for a moment, I thought he said, let's get raw. I was like, no, I was like, he didn't do that. He did not do that. I was like, did he forget for a second where he? And then I, I had to go back. I was like, okay, he let us get right into it. But he kind of muffled. I was like, he did not say. No, that. he did oh. not. Like, um, but, but he did it. Which, um, the the one thing that I I think that you and I have agreed upon. Yeah, we are, we are hard on AEW. But the, look, the one thing we have agreed upon, we think. We don't think there's just so many damn factions, and we saw another one before again. It's a it's lot. Just so many, you, you get lost in it. You, you get really lost do. In it. You need a scorecard to keep up with everything. And you know, you got Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian Cage versus, uh, or and the Lucha Brothers versus Matt Hardy, Private Party, and FTR. So I can't believe Christian took the pin there. That was Christian's only lost twice. His only yeah. other loss was to Kenny Omega. To Kenny Omega. Yeah. And he's losing in a main event for the title. And he's losing this match in like a throwaway opener yeah. on a holiday show. This is that was interesting to me. Well, I mean, but what are you why why? I don't know this, why that team I I, I isn't Jungle Boy lose anyway. Like, isn't Jungle Boy the guy that you would figure is the most that you're I mean, I've, and I feel like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, they should win the tag titles probably soon. I, 
this Pretty was weird. Soon. That was yeah, weird. They're on the same team with the Lucha Bros, right? I, I just yeah. it was a weird opening. It was just weird, weird, weird. Uh, I look there was and so, then that, okay, so the next match, which comes right <laughs> after, which comes right after. So you go from a ten man tag to a six man tag. Six man, yeah. And then you've got Kingston, who a month ago was the hottest guy in the company. We were literally <laughs> talking about, should this guy be the guy to beat CM Punk clean? He had yeah. this incredible article in the Players' Tribune talking about his struggles with mental health, and he caught lightning in a bottle. I think when Moxley had some of the problems that he had, a lot of people sort of wanted to to root for Kingston, you know? And he's getting pinned to 2.0 and Daniel Garcia here? I, why? Huh? I and then get... now, and then now, you're going to put him and Y2J in a storyline? I, I, I just, again, look, we crap on WWE a lot. Not as much as AEW, but we do. We crapped on WWE a lot today. Uh, I, I just, those first two matches, I, I, I didn't get there were too many participants, and Kingston has been that dude has been whether you like him or not, he's been very entertaining for AEW for the last naturally for the last half of the year, right? I mean, he came out of nowhere, and then you, he was in main event storylines because you, you couldn't keep him out of them because the people wanted to see him so much. Even if you want to do something with Jericho, you could have had them win the match. And then the heels beat them down afterwards, and Jericho make the save or whatever. You don't need like it. Just is so for a, a company that cares a lot about the wins and losses and stuff. This seemed so weird. Both of these two matches, the results of them, it made no sense whatsoever. As 2.0 and Daniel Garcia get the win, they've been fun, entertaining, but they've just been jobbers to the stars. They I have know, never, right? and so now. And then they, and especially on dark and in elevation or, or whatever, I, you know, Matt Hardy and private, you know, private party hasn't done anything. And FTR has been on or off I, you know, for that match. And then 2.0, as funny as they have been, they've been entertaining, but those guys shouldn't be beating a lot of people. They're, they're the classic entertaining jobbers that need to lose. And just these first two matches, uh, I, I will say this, as we go into the next segment, I thought MJF, uh, the Sean Spears and the Wardlow promo, and then have uh, the contract come out and say, oh, yeah, you know, you're right, Wardlow, if you win this, you got to get to MJF. I actually thought that was one of the best part of the day. Me too. Show. I liked you know, it. I did, unfortunately. <laughs> MJF was great. He was talking about so damn good. unsafe working conditions. <laughs> he said ring or he, he goes, who trains Sting? You know where? Nobody. He was never trained. He shouldn't even be in this company. He should have never wrestled. He, he Anderthal, and he's just going off. He said if he was working for a more professional company, those kind of things wouldn't happen. He said that's a conversation <laughs> for the bidding war of 2024. <laughs> Loved it. Which I can't wait till that becomes a thing in about six months. It's going to be fantastic. It, right? He's going to start you know, it like he's going to start WWE, it a year and a half out. He's going to start you know it. WWE is going to offer tons more money than what AEW is going to offer. WWE is going to do some 
goofy stuff from their Twitter to like lean into it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, they'll do some, but this Especially was, the WWE on Fox account. That count. They're funny. Off the cuff all the time. So uh, MJF said he's going to start racking up some wins next week. Then we got the little backstage. See, this is what I mean. We had these two longer six man tags, and then we had backstage, 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 couple segments. Um, I wonder if we end up actually getting a Christian heel turn. It kind of seems a little bit like they may be going that you way. Would think. Yeah, um, you would and think. that could lead to like Christian versus Jungle Boy. You know, and I maybe- just I just hate Gino. I just hate that as soon as Christian came to AEW. Remember, it was a poor, he showed up on a pay-per-view, just walked into the ring and kind of held his hands up. And then you immediately, immediately gave him a title shot and he won the Impact title. I, I just think that hurt him more than it helped him. He's I, He's been just totally out of sight, out of mind for yes. a while. And just some backstage goofy stuff. I wouldn't mind him and Jungle Boy, you know. I, that'll be a, that'll be a good match. Here. Yeah, you know. I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I, I just, when you, you, you had a Wardlow squash match in there, I think, too. The people are getting really behind Wardlow, man. They love and, his power. they are, and they They're are. Chanting and, for him. And, and, and he's going to turn. He's probably going to win whatever, what was the match called that they're going to have? The Face of the Revolution ladder match? Is that yeah. what it was called? Yeah. He probably wins that, because that would make that storyline even better, because Contractually, you have to give that that title shot to MJF. So I, I think that would be pretty good. But then you, like you said, we we got a couple of promos here with the Elite and Undisputed Era, which we kind of are what they were known as the Undisputed Era, which led to the you know the main event. But okay, so this is around, this, this is let's talk about that Undisputed Era stuff. So that's okay. what they were in NXT. Now right. AEW. If you're a really hardcore wrestling fan and you followed a lot of these companies and stuff, you you understand. If you're someone who is just a fan of all elite wrestling and you've just and you started watching all elite wrestling when they started on TNT and you watch their show on TNT every week and you don't watch other wrestling companies or you don't watch YouTube stuff, you have absolutely no clue at hell what's going on here. No, absolutely. And that's not. my problem Especially is that this week. you've got to give somebody a little bit of like who is Bobby Fish? Who is O'Reilly? What are you talking about? Like what past do they have together? Why is it interesting? And oh yeah, by the way, the whole, the biggest thing is the last time we saw Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, they were putting each other in a hospital. Like right. and now they're just Buddy buddies because Kyle said oh yeah I need I, I, this is how it works around here We've all got factions Now I do I think that the The moving forward Stuff of like where's Adam Cole gonna go and then Kenny Omega In this and like this group versus The elite group like that stuff I'm fine with but you Gotta give us some groundwork first You gotta let people know who these guys Are why why is this a big Deal that he comes in here I mean, they just assume everybody knows everything that's happening, and that's not at all the case. You can't do that. Uh, it just – it's uh, it's hard. Look, if this was the only faction-type storyline on this show, but uh, taking your words, if you're, if you're watching AEW, you're seeing a lot of, okay, this is WWE, so I know this person. There's not a lot of people – 
look, the hardcore wrestler, wrestling fans, you and I, even though we didn't watch ROH or maybe Impact every week, we kind of know what's going on, right? We know they're champions. We know their background. We know their history. If they come to NXT or WWE, we're definitely going to take a look at it, Wikipedia, whatever. But this is this has become nightmarish for AEW because basically what we're going going with here now is you've pulled Bobby Fish from NXT, uh, you've pulled Kyle O'Reilly, you know, and, and Hillman Cole, uh, and those guys were in ROH, NXT together. Uh, they basically cry for the reunion, and now we're already getting them tur- turning on each other. Here come the Bucks. We told you what was going to happen. We told you. Look, I thought the match was pretty. Let's jump to the main event. I do want to talk about some of these promos. Yeah, we we'll get back to some of them. But while we're talking right? about this, we can jump. The match is fine. Like the match was okay. always going to have a good match, right? It's it, never going to be bad. It was a bad. little spotty. Kyle O'Reilly had a couple of little spots, you know. Um, there was some little hunky dory stuff with with Chuck Trent and Orange Cassidy had to do a couple of things that I don't think that that Fish and O'Reilly was really ready for, so they kind of had to wait around. But I had no problem with the match, right? Then the, the finish, we got a gimmick finish where they where they was it O'Reilly or Fish knocks Cole to the ground. I, I believe it was O'Reilly. It was just a week before. They're crying on each other's shoulder that that we're separated, we're back, and here come the Bucks, and now we've got another. And then the Bucks help them win, but then get pissed off. Why would they come in and help them win, and then after the match say, "What? Where's Adam Cole's looking around because Fish and O'Reilly are holding up their hands, and 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 Cole's hands not being raised, and they're all look. It was there's just a lot. It's so much happening. There's it seems so... like a lot of those matches end in a lot of people interfering, and I think that takes away from a lot of the matches. Look, you and I both said it. Those live crowds are going to be hot. That's your indie crowd supersized on steroids, and they love their AEW, but that does not translate to good ratings on television. Look, last Wednesday, they popped a million. Uh, I, I just looked. Uh, they're back under a million at 975, which is pretty good. There's a lot of people home during the holidays. Um, this Friday night on New Year's Eve probably won't do any good. Their last Saturday show on Christmas night was 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 just bad. But this doesn't help it when you're sitting there mm-hmm. watching on TV and there's nine people beating the hell out of each other after every match. It That's does. all I'm saying. It's just hard to follow. It's really hard to follow. We got a Let's talk uh, about Dan Lambert. Dan Lambert <laughs> with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. He says nothing's cool about Cody Rhodes. Seeing Arn Anderson makes him sad. He used to be a horseman and now he's just a whore. <laughs> and then he said that's a perfect segue to Brandy. Brandy. He said the only Brandy I've ever known, that's a stripper name. I thought that <laughs> was fantastic. This this is actually pretty funny. Um and then he says, Cody, you know, he, t- he starts ripping on the neck tattoo. He said he's never made it till he cut a backstage deal with Tony Khan. Um, he says, AEW fans are idiots, but even they don't like the shit sandwich he's shoving down their throat. He says he, <laughs> he said he got asked to come out here and get him to cheer Cody, which I thought was great, too. Um, and and here's, the, here's, here's the kicker. Where was Cody? He's not around. Now, Dustin makes the save. Maybe Dustin he's out. comes out. 
and Brandy, like, you know, she's kind of cringy a lot, and you kind of roll, kind of roll your she's eyes a smoke with her. Show. Don't she's good wrong. looking, and she's like, she's not she can very cut good in the ring. No, and and then and you can just it all just feels too forced with her, yes, like what she good, wants to word. be and who yeah. she wants to be, and she kind of wants to elevate herself. And I mean, she, the work she did was okay here. Um, I more I just laughed a lot at what Lambert was saying at the beginning, you know, and <laughs> and they can't. I was reading some stuff. They cannot cannot do something where they may be going where it's like. Anything with Brandy and Dan Lambert in the ring, do no. not get, no. do not get there in a any kind of a mixed tag or this kind of a Cody and Brandy versus yeah, stipulation. She I don't want don't, him or paint don't do it. No, don't no, do it. Do not. If you want to have that. her get her come up in and hit a move on him after a match or something, spot? yeah, I'm okay. Spot? With that. Sure, come in and have her slap him or something like that. Don't have it. Actually be in the ring That will be awful That will be awful And okay we've got The biggest match in our company Coming up next week We're changing networks <laughs> We're going to have a freaking Huge we're going to make a big deal About the fact that we've got A massive rematch next week For the title where we're going to have these Judges coming in I mean it's Brian Danielson, one of the biggest stars in wrestling over the last decade, and Hangman Page, the guy that we've been grooming from the very beginning, that's now our guy. This hat, I mean, they've got to be interviewing every every person on the show and asking them who they think is going to win next week, right? Yes. Coop, like, yes. I mean, making this the biggest deal of everything, right? Like, that's what we got on the show, right? <laughs> what What the hell was like? We, we, I mean, we got a package. That, like a, a that small video that package. Mind blowing. That wasn't mind blowing at all. Where, where's Hangman? Where's Brian Danielson? And if they're sick, if they're out, if they're missing, do what WWE just did. Have them cut a video promo. Yeah, you can work around it. There, I don't. I know they got Rampage coming up. I don't care. I don't get that Rampage. Yeah, is on but Rampage. if you look at the Rampage, if you look at the Rampage card, it ain't and it's New good, Year's brother. Eve. Friday is New Year's Eve night So yeah. people aren't going to be watching that On New Year's Eve This was no, the night you no. had to promote it for next week Hell, See, This was your. This was the official go home show For the big, big Wednesday uh, I don't Next week Why I, And people get annoyed when WWE does something like this But I'm. I, I, th- how are they not hitting you over the head With the, the, the network change next week too Like that should have think- been Every commercial coming in and out Next week we're going to be on TBS Next week we're going to be on T. Remind you I'm actually I'm, sh- I'm shocked WWE didn't do that as much Reminding us that this pay-per-view is going to be on Saturday This week you know normally it would be Saturday 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 that's something that Yes we kind of roll our eyes As fans oh they just said it Why do they say it again but you know what It sinks into your brain and you remember I I thought they They did not set up the, the, the Main event title match well at all No and, and I've said it before And I'll say it again I They rely on social media So much which is a, a fantastic tool But at the same time If you rely Solely on social media and don't Do it during the show people Just don't tune in and look next Wednesday's card looks Good 
we'll go over it after we finish with with this dynamite look there's three three or four title matches right but neither one of them around i I, again i just I, i don't know man this was this was so talk heavy and to not have either one of them really talk was beyond words for me they're not around and cody's not around in, in like but back Dustin back was, but Dustin in, in some of the together. feuds they're pushing, yeah. Um, we got Jade Thunder Rosa, and here we go. You know, Jade is like taking small steps forward, but she's still really not rough. enough. And you, you know, and she's not. No, really high on her, but she has not progressed at she's the not level. Right, ready enough yet? Um, no, no. And unfortunately. They probably are going to have to put the title on her. We'll see. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, we'll see what, the, what happens with her and, and and Ruby. This was, this was probably what needed to happen though, because Thunder, Thunder actually should be in the main women's title picture with Britt. Right. She right. is one of the most talented women in this division, and she's like the only one that even remotely feels like they would have a chance to beat Britt. Only and because you could lean into the fact that she did beat her before and the history that they have with, with the the hardcore match, but Thunder Rosa gets attacked and it is uh, Mercedes Martinez that in the hood. Yeah. In the hood. So Jade Cargill gets the win. We'll probably get something with Thunder and Mercedes, and then that should lead Thunder back to Britt, right? Right. Well, that that, that that's the plan. I. I... Because Britt's got Riho coming up. Uh, right. Um, what's interesting here is I, I, I don't have a problem with what AEW signed, who they signed, because we've talked about this. They have to come from some company, right? And uh, look, a majority of your big name guys and girls right now are WWE, a majority of the time. So when they leave WWE, they grab them. It just... Look, I love to gauge the in the moment crowd. And I'll tell you this, man, every week it gets there's more and more angry or anger. There was a lot of people who were angry that Thunder Rosa didn't go over in that match. Now, you and I thought that was probably the right finish because she needs to be with Britt. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of people angry and there are a lot of people, hey, look, Mercedes Martinez can go. She's a She's badass. Good. He's very I, I, good. I think, I think it really helps this women's division. It does. There now, their women's division. It still, it still feels like it's Brit and then everybody else. But the everybody else do they? They have done a, a much better job in the last two months with their women's division because there do feel like there are five or six women that could legitimately hold the second women's title. Right. So right. the TBS title now. If it is Jade or Ruby or a Mercedes or even a Ty Conti, someone like that, or a Sheeta or any of them or Nyla, they all feel fine to hold the TBS title. I don't think that they should be beating Brit. So they got to they got to do a better job of still kind of closing the gap between Brit to everybody else. But before it was like Brit and then nothing. Now it's like Brit. A big gap, and then at least there's like a mid card of the women that I will give them credit for. I, the 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 tournament's taken too long; it's gone on for way too long and stuff. But by giving them more time and giving them a little bit more opportunity over and over, it's something that doesn't happen immediately. It takes a few weeks or a month to go. Oh, okay, you know what? These girls are all improving. 
quite a bit. They're getting better. They're getting more time, and that's sort of what you'd like to see from them. And um, the one that just doesn't seem like she's improving quite enough, though, is Jade. And it's going to be Jade versus Ruby in the final there. So what do you think? You think uh, Jade or are you going to go Ruby? Oh, man. Uh, I I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to guess and just go with Jade. Uh, They probably give it to Ruby as a, hey, look, we brought you in. You've already tapped out to Brett, you know, type deal. Um, The bigger question I have for you and for wrestling, now you have Mercedes. She jumps Thunder Rosa. And so now you're going to have kind of them put on a hell of a match because I've seen those two in Beaumont, Texas, and Hurricane Pro Wrestling. Their match is going to be better than all the other women's stuff. It, it will. <laughs> so my my thing is, I love Britt Baker. She's not going to beat Mercedes Martinez in a one-on-one matchup. What does what what plans do you have, Mercedes? Is she a mercenary? Does she just start wiping out people? Does she not care about the title? Uh, because again, next Wednesday we don't have Britt. Uh, uh, I'm looking at the card. The the only women's match you have is Ruby and Jade. I, I think you just don't. So Saturday night fight night, Britt will defend her AEW women's title against Riho. Um, they also have that to me. Battle of the Belt show, which nobody's talked about. They have nothing set up for, nothing, and that's only an hour. For that. That's only an hour long show. That's supposed to be a special. That and it will be taped, right? Probably or no? Will it, it, I mean, it was supposed to be like a Clash of the Champions type thing okay. that they had that when they talked about it a year ago that there were going to be like four of these specials a year that are like big deal, but it's only an hour long. I don't yeah. know how how much are they going to do one match? That's a draw, you know. Like, <laughs> what, um, we're a few more things to finish up before we let Coop get out of here. So Punk, um, nice, nice for him to come out and uh, say what he said about um. About Huber, about Brody Lee, and uh, you know, say that he thought you know this is some of the reason why he came here. I thought it was really weird that he sort of kind of was talking like he was done with MJF almost. Yeah, he did say MJF was a bigger waste of con money than Tim Tebow, which <laughs> was a pretty funny line. <laughs> and, uh, and he said that he. It would be a real shame if somebody messed with MJF's quest for gold. So maybe they're both trying to get the title. I don't know how it's going to be, but it was kind of weird that he was sort of seeming like they're done. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but that seemed a little off. Do you think? Okay, so Hangman has to beat Brian Danielson, right? Yeah. yeah. Do Do you think Punk is that? You know, as we talked earlier for you know on, on the Raw side of things. With Big E, what's next for him? What what's next for it Hangman would, after it this? Would be the best of all. Don't you th- if don't if I Punk, think that's I think that's Punk a, that's did good. it to cheat and cheated to yes. do it. Yes. If he cheated to win that title, and then and then he was the asshole Punk right afterwards. Yeah, go in as the Becky, the in betweener. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna and then do pull that. the Bianca move. Yep. Yeah, like just, just do like that. that Yep, exactly. You're like smiling, and then Punk does something real cheap, foot on the ropes, you know, to win. And then everyone t- starts to turn on him, and then he gets to really lean in and be the ass. And then that would be great because you could have M, you know, you could have MJF. Be- I told you so. MJF, <laughs> MJF gets to be Bobby Heenan. 
You know, yeah. when Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan does the NWO, I told you so. I told you so. I've been telling you all along, this guy. You know? So uh, Pillman Jr. cut a little promo. I mean, you got he's... him in Malachi Black. Are you excited about that? I, I look at the card for Friday and next week, and I, and I don't see them on it because Friday you have Cody and Ethan for the TNT title. Darby versus Anthony Bowens, and you have Penelope Ford and the Bunny versus Anna Jay and Ty Conti in a street fight. That's for Friday. Well, excuse me. I'm so sorry. Malachi Black and Pillman Jr. are scheduled for the big next week, Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. we'll see them so, on so Wednesday okay. next week, and we'll we'll see if they can continue on with this feud. I mean, it's it's good for Pillman, but it just seems like it's something that's below Malachi. Yeah, it's below Malachi. And, I agree. And, um. Bowen's Darby Allen. I thought it was funny. Caster called him My Chemical Romance. And, yeah. and he just had a cool little. Uh, that, which, that's fantastic. That was good jams. I was listening to some My Ooh. Chemical Romance there. And but I mean, like we had at one point they went Ricky Starks talking oh, about yeah? Dante Martin stuff, and he said, you know, Powerhouse Hobbs questions if he really wants to go a second round with them. So Stark. Then you had Sammy. Who re, you know with his cards And he said he has a resolution for 2022 To beat the American Nightmare Then you had Sheeta in a video package with Deeb Then you had Pillman being interviewed And that's what I mean about the, the pacing This was all back to back to back to back And yeah. then it was Bowen's Darby, Darby stuff Back to back to back to back And then we got to the main event match There which, we, uh, which we'd already discussed So yeah one of the weaker shows To end the uh, TNT era of AEW Dynamite but they do have a lot scheduled uh, for the next couple episodes, so we'll see if they can have a, a big show on Friday night, and then next week, Dan, Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page on their first TBS show with the judges there. Coop a loop, my man, uh, Houston. Shout out to Houston, huh? Hey man, I thought I was dead in the water there. I'm like, we can't do anything right, and then all of a sudden, hey, we get a late touchdown. Hey, hey look, we know there was a massive holding. On that play, we didn't have to have the color commentator just continue to say that. Hey, just give it. And what I thought was the funniest was the was the the Birmingham Bowl trophy on the backside of the trophy. Did you see the ass on that thing? The ass. That dude. dude. What are we doing here? You got an apron on the front. He must work out. Just just, just having fun with the trophy and just posing with it all over. Social media, I thought it was a blast. We got to win. Hey, a 12-win season at Houston is pretty phenomenal. I don't care if it was Auburn without their quarterback. I'll take it. It was SEC. That was great stuff. Koopa Loop, my man, thank you so much, buddy. Got it, buddy. Give you a follow at the Chad Cooper, and we will uh, uh, wish you a very, very happy new year. Hope it's safe out there for you. We'll check in with you again uh, next year, 2022. Hey, if you're if you're bored on New Year's Eve and you're tired of football and you're not going out, you're tired of watching the music, Chelsea Green and Matt Cardona are getting married in Las Vegas on Friday night, and their wedding party features Deanna Perrazzo. Nice, uh, yeah. Kaya Valkyrie. They're all going to be drunk and having a great time. Just go to their Instagram and check out their stories. It ought to be a fun Friday night. We're going to follow along and live vicariously <laughs> through them on uh, Friday night. Loop, man, happy holidays. Stay safe you over too, there. Buddy. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Let's do it, man. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on this episode of That's What G Said. 
Loop. Thanks so much to Chad for helping us out, and thanks to Eric for talking a little NFL with us. Again, thank you all so much. I hope you have a great, great New Year. I uh, hope you have a fun New Year's Eve night, and then let's just hope 2022 is a little bit better than the last couple of years, right? I think for everyone, uh, for all of us, nobody's been a big fan of what's been going on in the world, so... Hope everybody stays safe. Uh, Enjoy the time with you and your loved ones. And again, thank you so much for making That's What G Said a part of your your day, your week, your month. Anytime you tune in, I genuinely appreciate it so, so much. And it's going to be bigger and better for us as we move on to 2022.